No, I want to say sphygmo mamamamamamer. Manamamanometer. Manamometer, yeah. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative Latino Podcast, brought to you by us over at adzhorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. Too noisy, Jack. <laughs> Some ASMR from Jake. And sitting next to Jake is someone else who has always loved you. It's Mark. Hi, guys. Wow. Much too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listen. For, <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. And this week, we watched 2018's A Quiet Place, which was a Mark pick, and we are going to dive all the way into that real soon, and when we do, we're going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of it, and Mark is making some goddamn faces. Those are delightful, Mark. I wish uh, I wish this wasn't purely an audio medium. Uh, <laughs> Got a face for radio. Yeah. And hey, if you like the show and want to support what we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror. That's A-T-O-Z horror. Support the show at your level of choosing. Get some cool perks for your benefits. And like we said for the last couple of weeks, we're pretty excited that for the next three months at least, we are donating all of our Patreon proceeds to Feeding America to kind of help out with everything that's going on in the world and how horrible it is and uh, let you, you know, donate to a good cause, but also still come out with a hang out with us on Patreon where we have a lot of fun. And while we're talking about horrible things going on in the world, we did want to just take a minute right up top here and address um kind of as we record this and the riots are in full force and effect so we wanted to acknowledge the uh horrible injustices there and we're we're mourning and grieving alongside you it's uh truly unfathomable and it's terrible but our position on this podcast here is we are you know not trying to address any of that but we did it's significant enough that we want to take a moment that we're with you uh but for now we're here to have a little bit of fun do a little bit of escapism so spend the next hour and a half ish with us and maybe take your mind off stuff for a brief little bit without sticking your head in the sand so for now boys it's time to do the getting drunk part so on that score let's do beers for fears hey mark hello what are your beers for the fears a quiet place brings uh yeah, so just to add on to that, if you're listening, if you're like coming back in the catalog and listening to this, I don't know, like a year from now, gosh, I hope things have gotten brighter. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, not to bury the lead, I guess a little bit, but you know, we're still doing the local beers for fears, still trying to support the the uh, local commerce around here. I don't know if you guys went the same way or not, but um, I got a two row brewery out of Salt Lake City uh, beer. I think I've drunk this once or twice before. I'm pretty sure I had this for Life Changer a couple weeks ago, months ago, times a couple circle. weeks ago. That feels like five <laughs> years ago. Dude. I mean, it is it is a length of time that could have been measured in weeks. It's just that those weeks might be more than dozens now at this point. I can't it, remember. Yeah. It was in the before times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the long, long ago. Um, I am drinking a Dangero Farmhouse Ale. Uh, so it's dangerous, but with an X for some reason. Um, set in a farm. That's... Basically, yeah. what I'm going for here—it's clearly dangerous. Um, yeah, buddy. And this is this is my official entry for the beers for fears um, poll that will be going up for this movie. But I do also—I might as well just throw this out there. I do have an apocalypse IPA in reserve. Very solid. Very solid. Uh, you know, I didn't end up going the local thing this week. I do have. Uh, I'm still. You know, I'm always working my way through a 12 pack of some local brewery. I'm doing the the equivalent of Chick Philanthropy, but with local local breweries. But I uh, I went a different direction this week. I've got two drinks I'm going on with. Uh, one of them is by the Hop Valley Brewing Company out of Oregon, so still in the Northwest. The I'm Hop drinking Valley. the Hop Valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Uh, but when I talk about it as a brewery, I'm allowed to say the Hop Valley Brewery. Fine, so fine, fine. you know, it covers like my bases. 
Ohio State, though. It's just... <laughs> God damn it. Uh, the U-Dub. Um, I am drinking a Bubble Stash India Pale Ale. This one is because of... The, I mean, look, we're going to spoil a little bit of the movie here and a little bit of our thoughts about it, but past all they would need to do... What do waterfalls make? They make bubbles, and all you need <laughs> to do to survive in this world is stash all your things near those bubbles, and you'll be fucking fine. So I'm drinking a bubble stash. I am also drinking an Angry <laughs> Orchard. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> they make bubbles. What do waterfalls do? They, they make, make bubbles. bubbles. Classic waterfalls. Okay, you know fine, what fine. You know what the important part about the waterfall is? The important bubbles part of the waterfall? That's the, the bubbles. bubbles. The bubbles are the, the bubbles. loudest part of a waterfall. Exactly. It's what everybody knows about waterfalls. It's just basic waterfall science, Mark. This is first grade stuff. Uh, then I'm also drinking an Angry Orchard unfiltered, uh, hazy and less sweet um, hard cider here. One, because <laughs> my wife wanted to get some ciders and I enjoyed this one, but also because how do they end up beating these things? Unfiltered sound. Raw, unfiltered sound pumped through feedback over a microphone that's that's how they end up beating these monsters is by not filtering their sound so i've got myself an unfiltered cider jake what are your beers for these fears yeah i'm sticking to either local or bordering our state so this week i am going to washington i'm going to tacoma washington e9 brewing they have a double IPA. I haven't cracked it open yet. I'm assuming it's hazy because you buy the. It's one of those jobs that you can get in like holy shit. For the we can't see that at all. Jake listener, has a zoom background on, and it's all vanished. Whatever. It's it's a 16 ounce <laughs> job. You get it in four packs. It's expensive. I'm assuming when I pour it, it's going to be really hazy. Uh, this one is called Ambient Sounds, and I think well, that's that it, fucking it's pretty perfect. on the nose. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, did you have to go to Hops and Bottles for this? I did not see this at my. This local was at the places. co-op. The co-op's oh, wow. had it lately. Okay. I've been I've been wanting to try it. That's they a good one. Quite a few this, E9. This was a good they, reason. they got E9 at like the same time they got Shades out of Salt Lake. So, very solid. Very very solid. Yeah, shades of Pale. Hold on a second. Hold <laughs> on a second. Listener can wait. I got to show you guys what it looks like. This is what I mean. It looks like this. Look, see. Oh if yeah. I see what if you're that about. pours yeah. in a non-hazy format, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> I mean, they do make 16 ounces of non-hazy beers. I days. did have one of their other ones, and it was not hazy. So I don't know why I'm saying it this way. It's a double, though. Come on. Okay. All right. All right. Now, ordinarily on the podcast, this is where I'd say uh, we need to talk about what else has been rocking our collective horror worlds. But as we release this, it's going to be close to the first of the month as we recorded. It's damn near exactly on the first of the month. So we need to talk about the horror release roundup. Uh, it's our monthly segment where we collect up over at the website, adchorror.com, with a hyphen. Every horror movie we are able to find coming out over the course of the next month and kick you a link to the trailer and a blurb about each one of them. But here on the podcast, we're just going to hit you with a top one pick, a bottom one pick, and a dark horse pick. And boys, these are still weird times uh, in terms of movies that are actually coming out. Yeah, what's coming out? We don't really know. We did our best. Guys, there yeah, are who knows? eight movies. Eight whole movies this month. That's, <laughs> That's up well, I think double month. what it was last month. Yeah. Given the movie we're watching this month, it's noteworthy that A Quiet Place 2 was supposed to be theatrically released in March, and they were like, eh, fuck it, maybe September? So I believe what <laughs> actually happened, because I thought that it actually did come out, and it was just one of those movies, kind of like The Invisible Man or whatever, that was released and then just got fucked by the whole thing. I guess what they did was they did the actual... Um, March 8th premiere in New York that was always intended to be like a premiere event that was limited and the actual premiere was supposed to be the next week on the 16th or something like that and then the 16th one was what was the day that September. (laughs) so the movie has technically premiered and was if you're a movie star (laughs) yeah if you're if you're an A or B list movie star you could have possibly seen this movie yeah so you know if you're out there listening let us know how it was 
<laughs> we know John Krasinski's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Diehard listener. He's a bit of a lurker, though. He doesn't really leave that many comments. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. So, boys, where do we want to start here? Do we want to start? Why don't we start in the middle? Dark Horse Picks? <laughs> as long as we can end on a high note, that's really all I care about. That's the yeah. important Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we've been doing recently. Let's start with Dark Horse Picks. And you know what? Fuck it. I want to go first this time in Great, Dark Horse it. Picks. Go. I picked The Soul Collector. As okay. my dark horse pick. Sure. This is, it's not 100% clear what this movie's actually about, but it's a South African movie, and it is definitely supernatural in origin. Yeah. Um, there's some kind of priest-type figure, you know, what, whatever you'd call it, like a, a spiritual uh, warlock of some kind that, like, cuts a big infinity symbol in the ground by their house and lights it on fire. I don't know exactly what kind of supernatural it is, but it's a supernatural movie. It looks... Very interesting. I'm always happy to see movies coming out of places that we don't usually see movies coming out of, at least on a, on a big global scale. Um, and it looks like it could be decent. I didn't really get a vibe for its quality from the trailer, but it, it's got a good shot. I kind of like the the little I could glean from the concept, and some of the shots looked really cool. So I really, who knows? I really liked the, um, I don't want, I guess the music production, the sound production or whatever you Which would was, want to call it for uh, the collect uh, the soul. It was collector. kind of like yeah, it was kind of like somebody took a bunch of like I don't want to call it grunting because I think it was like specific things, but but it was kind of like grunting sounds and then transposed yeah, them and then into they, a song. And then they sampled it. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> and fucking made it cool. Like the beat of the background, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved that. Yeah, totally. Jake, you got you got any thoughts on the soul collector? Uh, mine match yours almost exactly. I'm interested. We they, South Africa is not one that I would say there's an absolute like murderer's row of different movies we can choose from. I haven't seen more than a couple that have come out of there, so I'm always interested when something like that comes up. Um, that being said, yeah, hard to glean a lot from it. I'm interested in like where they're gonna go with some of the clearly historical influences. Like, are they gonna go into like folklore from traditional South African people? I have no clue. Yeah, but I sure hope so. I love folklore yeah. from different places. That's fucking cool. Um, all right, Jake, uh, you got yeah. no clue about that one, but do you have a clue about your dark horse pick? Mm, not really. No, no. <laughs> I, I went with I went That's with Two Heads good Creek here. Yeah, exactly. I went with Two Heads Creek, and this one is bringing a certain brand of humor to the table, and I just don't know how it's going to land for me. Ultimately, that's why I chose it as a dark horse. It looks funny, but... This is the one about the... It's like a brother and sister in post-Brexit moving to Australia? Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yes, and it has, like... They they go to some small town, I think it's full of cannibals, and it's a horror comedy. I just don't know if I'm going to get down with the comedy part of it all that much, and can deal with it for like a full hour and a the, half or whatever it's going to be. The tone matters so much in horror comedies and it's like hard to tell from a trailer because you can have a really well edited trailer that like gets the tone just right but the movie yeah. does not match that tone so it's yeah, hard to tell exactly. but it could be great. If it matches the tone of the trailer, I'm on board. Um, I I fully agree and I normally I am very hesitant about going down this road as well with uh, horror comedies but the the last like little button that they put on the trailer like legitimately Got a pretty big belly laugh out of me, like more so than I think I've gotten out of a trailer in a long time, even for like comedy movies. Uh, <laughs> and that might be like their scene, but um, you know, if Probably. you can put together something like that that does actually get an honest comedic reaction out of me, then I, I would say like I don't know why I emphasize that in a weird way. I, I'm not a particularly discerning <laughs> critic of comedy, but uh, I guess what I'm saying here is like that 
even if even if that is the funniest scene, that at least portends like the other shit in the movie is probably going to be at least a little funny. <laughs> the other thing I'll say about this movie is I watched this. I watched these trailers with my wife, and she is from New Zealand, so the anti-Australian comedy in the trailer, which is replete with that a kind of uh, uh, making fun of Australians thing, uh, resonated very well with her. <laughs> so you got that going. You got the Kiwi crowd nice. on board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I always go back to that one scene from Flight of the Concords where uh, uh, Brett is talking about a sweater he got. And he's like, my mom told me it looked like made me look like Brad Pitt. It didn't make you look like Brad Pitt. It made you look like an Australian, <laughs> which I enjoy very, very much. Totally. <laughs> yeah, Mark, you know, identify with that. You know, Mark, classic Mark. one specific deep pull from a Flight of the Concords Mark. episode from 2014. Mark, what's your Dark oh. Horse? I uh, don't really have... Much to elaborate on this one, because I think it's going to come up a little bit later, but I pick Scare Package. Uh, Scare okay. Package is the other horror comedy coming out this month. This one is anthology-related. Um, from what I can tell, it's one of those ones that's going to lean heavily on, like, we know the horror tropes, you know the horror tropes, let's make a movie about, um, well, actually, let's make, like, seven movies about horror tropes uh, and see how they turn <laughs> out. And... Yeah. I don't know. I thought it, this is exactly what a Dark Horse is. It's an anthology. It's a horror comedy, and it is on a relatively small budget. So Now, Mark, did was the reason you thought they know about the horror tropes and are going to be playing with them because of the six or seven different times they say what would happen in a horror movie here during the trailer? Uh, yes, and also <laughs> the available synopsis that I'm pretty sure we just pulled from IMDb or whatever directly mentions that this is a a proprietor of a horror emporium like video store teaching a new employee about horror there you go yeah yeah it's i mean that's what that's the only thing that bothered me was how many times in the trailer they're like well this is what happened in a horror movie or yeah but if we were in a horror movie what would we do it's like oh, okay god we this fucking get has it. the subtlety of a sledgehammer which can sometimes <laughs> be good and sometimes more often than not be bad so yeah we'll see how it goes this one does come out on shutter um so the likelihood of one of us at least one of us seeing this is pretty high We'll, Absolutely. we'll tune back in here in, I don't know, two months, something like that. We'll have it. <laughs> a year or two. Who knows? Who knows? All right, let's get us into the bottom horse picks. Bottom horse picks. Fuck it. The bottom one picks. <laughs> I love it. Bottom horses. <laughs> Bottoms horse. Bottoms horse. Yeah, exactly. Jake, what's your bottom horse pick? <laughs> oh, for this my month? God. I love it, man. The uh, bo- my bottom, the bottom horse. horse. The bottom horse is when you're in a Halloween costume that you have to do like with two people, and one of you is the you're top. You're the ass end. Is, yeah, you're the ass uh, end. Can I talk a little bit about a laundry detergent commercial from a couple years ago where that dad is the bottom of a horse at his daughter's birthday party and he's unhappy because of the laundry smells bad of the top half of the horse? But then when he buys laundry detergent, the person who's the front half of the horse, presumably one of his buddies, smells better for some fucking reason. How do you end up in a situation where you're the bottom ass of a horse at your own daughter's birthday party? What is wrong with that fucking commercial? That is all. I like no, how you pose no, it as Jack, a question. No, you cannot. You can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I like how you pose it as a question. Well, I was waiting for one of you guys to interrupt me, but you didn't. So he I has a longer, it. like, eight-minute long take. <laughs> I cut out a Christ. lot. This is <laughs> oh, a very tightly God. edited podcast. If you heard the unfiltered cut, listeners. We hope you Okay, anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go with my bottom horse. My bottom <laughs> horse for the month is The Clearing. It's the zombie movie. I didn't see enough, which is really anything in this one, to make it unique enough to give it a shot i have a deep bench of zombie movies that i need to go back and check out which and is weird because yeah. you're not the zombie guy i know but <laughs> it's just such a pervasive subgenre. you know what i mean eventually they're going to creep onto the list mark 
Jake, I'm going to hop in here and join you in picking that as my bottom okay. one. It's my bottom one as well. The other thing I'll say about the trailer, this is the most aggressively edited trailer oh, I think the, I've the ever seen. The shuddering black and it goes to it's, black effect thing. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. It so makes I me think scared that the action is going to be garbage. I think it's going to be terrible because all the action scenes, there are about, like I saw one scene where he jumps off of a camper van, right? under the ground and there were seven cuts in it in like a three quarters of a second sequence it's insane so i think the it's going to be like cut like a fucking marvel movie and then also they added that like strobe effect to the trailer i think yeah. because when they didn't cut do seven takes per second it looked poor so i don't know i'm not excited about this one i have nothing else to add i agree with you completely that's why it's a bottom <laughs> horse i yeah, yeah at, at best this will be a generic <laughs> uh, zombie movie of which there are already too many yeah so yeah. i picked it as my bottom horse mark how about you i went with one that i mean it's a bit of a layup this is probably the easy mode but we should mention blade the iron cross is coming out if you are out there and you are a puppet master fan first off we do not see eye to eye as humans but i do appreciate that this will have its like cult following kind of right out of the gate puppet master exists as a franchise and I am okay with it, but it is not my cup of tea. That is, I am not part of that cult, and I am not interested in its literature. I understand what you're saying, Mark. Here's what I will say about it that made me not pick it as my bottom horse uh, or bottom one this this month is that it does look like they have an earnest love for horror, and they had fun making it. And that does appear to come through sure. in the filmmaking and in what's on screen. And that I always appreciate. It doesn't just look like, you know what I mean? They actually cared about it. Yeah, and you know what? Good for them. But I am just one that's not going to be on board with intentional like B-movie sloppiness, essentially. Like, yeah, they're they're having fun. They're uh, I'm sure. sure they're doing fan service and whatnot. It's just fan service of a thing that I don't particularly care for. So it's not... it's. I am not the target it's, demo of this movie. It, it's your <laughs> bottom one, and that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but let's close out here on a high note. Let's talk about our top one picks, or our Pegasuses, our flying horses, if you will. Jake, what's your Pegasus pick for this month? Yeah, Mark alluded to this one, but my top one scare package. Okay. It's yeah, a bit yeah, of, yeah. It's a bit of a risk, but I'm like... <sighs> When I see the shutter name attached to things, I'm I'm trusting the thing more and more over time. Not me. I don't have so much just like faith in things that come out on shutter because I watched that frequency zero point zero, frequency zero, whatever that movie was, and that stunk on ice. <laughs> the thing you can't remember the name <laughs> I, of. I think it was zero point zero megahertz because they specifically highlighted the 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 like number of like the predispos what what that blip. We're really <laughs> wow! <up>. Good. <laughs> they sure it... did, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was zero point zero megahertz because I thought it was funny that they specifically used the unit that had mega in it when it's zero as a magnitude, so it could be like just zero point zero hertz. hertz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need thing. to go to the millions when there's none of them. Jack, sometimes it's just a volume game. You know, you get a hold of whatever thing you can distribute and put it out there because it's just filler Which on is... a list. Fine, I don't begrudge Shutter for that, but it's why I don't trust things that come out on Shutter well, to I, be great. I don't know. Was I have no clue if that was like a Shutter exclusive or whatnot. Um, this is I've I've been liking a lot of what they've been putting out lately. I'll say that. Um, yeah, I love Shutter. Shutter sponsor us. Shutter. Shutter, 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 shutter. <laughs> Wouldn't it be this... funny if Shutter had a system where it was just like this is a Shutter exclusive, but then also occasionally it would put on like a Shutter stamp of approval? Like some of them, <laughs> like some of them were just like, yeah, we got the distribution rights to this, and some of them were like, we actually like this, though. right? You should like watch we, it. this one's a Shutter exclusive. It's coming out, but guys, like we know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I I know it's a bit of a dangerous game with the kind of winking at the camera the whole way with the tropes, but I I just I don't know. I have a feeling about this one, and Joe Bob Briggs is in the movie. I think that tells you all that you need to know about it. <laughs> uh, it's micro budget. Like Mark alluded to the fact that it's it's low budget, but this thing is it looks to me like it's made on a budget of nothing, and all of it other than getting Joe Bob Briggs on board went to practical effects. So that's cool it's gonna look cheesy in a lot of regards but that's totally fine the other thing that i'll say is chase williamson he's from uh he was in john dies at the end which is like one of the very first movies we reviewed for this site like yeah that's weird that's a weird pick Uh, and then in addition to that he was in beyond the gates which is a movie recently that i liked he's in it too so there's a bit of chops there i'm i'm excited for it it's my top one in this month of eight movies or whatever now, Jake, before we move on, uh, just for hypothetically the uninitiated listener, uh, who would Joe Bob Briggs be? Who would you tell that uninitiated <laughs> listener who that person I, is? Purely hypothetically. Purely hypothetically, <laughs> just to help educate our folks. Joe Bob Briggs has done for a lot, like since we were children or even before that, he's done these like drive-in in a movie commentary on shitty movies. It's kind of like the Mystery Science Theater 3000 of like ah. shitty horror movies. And he's actually doing it again. He was off air for a long time. He's doing it again on Shutter, like making new stuff. So he, you know, he sits there, he cracks jokes. You go and you watch some like B horror movie. He comes back and he cracks more jokes. He's that guy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That fits. I mean, when I say gotcha, I'm I'm speaking purely for the audience members there who didn't know. Yeah, you're you're right. You're you're the the audience. You're the audience standing. I see. Yeah, I'm the surrogate. I got it. I'm playing that (laughs) role. Jake, I like the pick. You know, it's uh like like we said, I like it. It could be could be fucking great though. If they well, get the I tone think right, it's gonna be I, fucking I, amazing. The one thing I forgot to say is like right now, with where we are in the world, I need a movie that's going to entertain me that is like that. I need that kind of stupid winking at the camera escapism. I need like yeah. the summer banger. And that's not a summer but that's not the summer banger. That's kind of the opposite in a lot of ways, especially from a budget standpoint. But I need that feeling. Of who fucking cares and total like just total abandon for anything that is serious. Sure, yeah, you need you sure, need no, piranha like in 3D or whatever. Basically, yeah, <laughs> and that's what I'm getting this month. Well, I myself went a different direction, Jake. I actually this might be the Jack. first time for me. Question: I oh, picked yeah. an Into the Dark flick. I picked Dude. Into the Dark. Good boy. They all look good, man. How is that this the opposite direction? Good. That's also a horror comedy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you why I picked this one. Judy fucking Greer, man. Yeah, dude. When Judy she Greer was like, might be the world's most underrated actress. I don't know about that. She's on that so. list, she's though. She is underrated. I would certainly great. She, I would agree with that. Yeah, she rules at everything she's in. This appears to be no exception. This is a movie, for those who haven't seen the trailer, about a woman who gets an emotional support animal and that emotional support animal really vibes off her a- emotions of anger and wanting to kill people and does it for her when she wants to. And it's it seems monkey delightful. shines, but if the monkey were a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I don't know if you could call the dog a good guy in this, but it is a very good boy. Okay, I guess I wouldn't say good guy. It's that if the monkey were... Monkey did the exact same things, but then the person that the monkey was helping was like, you know what? Thanks! 
I'm on board. Yeah, the monkey isn't the yeah the 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 dog isn't the villain here, but it is uh, feeding off Judy Greer's emotions. I'm super on board for this. Judy Greer looks fucking fantastic in it, and I'll also say, as an employment lawyer, a surprising amount of my job is writing memos about what businesses and or landlords are and are not allowed to do with respect to service animals. So that issue, I think, is actually that's a reason I probably shouldn't like it because they're going to get that very very wrong. But that's fine. I don't know. Sometimes I like that though. When when there's a thing that touches on like what you do professionally or as a hobby yeah. or something, and you see someone who has no fucking clue what they're doing actually make an attempt at what it is you do, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. charming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So, Mark, what about you? What's your top one pick? Your Pegasus. I am actually legitimately surprised this didn't come up already in a uh, Dark Horse or something like that. <laughs> but I'm going with the. Arguably biggest movie of the month. I'm going with Becky, uh, which is oh a Joel shit, Ma- yeah, which is a Joel McHale and Kevin James joint. That is, I mean, I I say that, but really, it's a Lulu Wilson joint. She's probably like the anchor that holds this thing, uh, that that runs the last lap of this relay or whatever. But <laughs> I, okay. I said this in my write up. I have a weird part of my monkey brain that fucking loves seeing particularly comedic actors. Uh, try and do serious stuff, regardless of what the actual quality level of yeah. the movie is. Like, I legitimately enjoyed the movie 23, which should tell you something. The number 23? The number 23, yep. Uh, um, Mark, you you famously, your favorite movie is uh, Seven Pounds, featuring Will Smith. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's not say <laughs> things we can't take back. That's not true. This, listener, I am being slandered. <laughs> this is libelous slander. No, but I mean, like, you do have a pretty decent history there of of comedic actors moving over into horror. Obviously, you have Jordan Peele, who hasn't done acting yet, but has created a lot of really solid horror content. He's, you have, like, he's Robin sort Williams. of done acting in The Twilight Zone. Well, yeah, he's and, doing his I best mean, Rod Serling impersonation. <clears throat> well, but, I mean, I in mean, the you horror have, space, whatever. You have, okay. like, you have, like, Robin Williams in One Hour Photo and Insomnia. You have Jim Carrey in 23. You have Vince Vaughn kind of done 20- this weird, like... That that one's not so much a horror movie, but he did that brawl in Cell Block. He, oh, Cell Block Twenty Three, yeah. And yeah. he Wait, masturbated so, in what? American Psycho. God damn it! Yes, there's a lot. There are many exactly. examples. There's plenty of those, and I'll, it just it's just like a hard line to whatever my brain really likes. It, it's fun to see those people flex muscles that they don't typically do, and watching Kevin James play a hardened white nationalist criminal coming out of prison and going on a treasure hunt in this house and having to fight off uh, Lulu Wilson as essentially Kevin McAllister in yeah. a home um, invasion style home alone movie is yeah, I was going to say a murderous Kevin McAllister, but Kevin McAllister is already very murderous. He's yeah, very exactly. murderous. That would be redundant. Uh, anyways, that's what you're getting in this movie. And, and, and I have speaking- a hard time understanding how I wouldn't, at least enjoy this movie, if not be, like, overjoyed by it. Speaking of underrated actors, I've maintained for a long time that Kevin James is an underrated actor. He's been in a lot of fucking shit-ass movies, but he is a good actor. (laughs) Yeah, people Uh, shit on Paul Blart Mall Cop, but that movie actually rules. I'll defend that thing to my fucking That's not my position, no. (laughs) Oh, you were going to go with Hitch. Yes, Hitch is also very good. Hitch sucks, but he's very good in Hitch. He's a good actor. There's something, I mean, Kevin James is also, like, if you watch his stand-up comedy, he's a fucking funny dude. And there is, like, some weird DNA that a lot of the good comedians have that, like, 
they're just really good at timing and like understanding a situation and delivering lines and stuff like that. If you and you find people like that, uh, Sandler, Adam Sandler is also in a couple relatively serious roles, and he can pull that shit out when he needs to. Uncut gems. Uncut gems just came to Netflix, and I yeah. watched it again, and that is a tense as fuck movie. Dude, well, I one, don't know if I, I don't know if I want to watch it. Yeah, the, the one that I referenced in the write-up was Rain Over Me, which I think has gotten washed away a little bit in the sands of time. But dude, I mean, like. That's a solid movie too. Not a horror movie at all. It's just a drama. But plus the best use of timpani in a rock song. Good movies. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) What a turnaround. He went from like classics to the worst shit that's ever been made to like now doing different stuff that's good. It's it's a quite a trajectory. It's a journey. It's a journey. Anyways, uh, that movie is Becky, and I am excited to see it. Yeah, it looks pretty rad. But hey, boys, I think it's about time to go to the feature presentation now. Agreed. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 2018's A Quiet Place. Now, Mark, you picked this movie, and what a hell of a pick, buddy. What a hell of a pick. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I know it was on at least your list as well, Jack, and I probably Jake's. Let's He can (laughs) can try and be modest all he wants. It was on Jake's, too. It was a great Yeah, certainly. Yeah, Mark, it was on the list. I mean, we've talked about it like six times, but, you know, it's always on the list. I think we did a fairly substantial talk about it, because all three of us saw this in theaters, right? When it was, like, pretty new. You and I, did we go to this one, Jack? Yeah, Jake, you and I went to this together. I can't remember anymore. So long ago. We sure did. I did see this in theaters. I I have to go back and, like, think about it, but I'm pretty sure this is one of the, like, five movies I've seen in theaters in the last, I don't know, four years, five years. (laughs) And maybe ever will again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're closed forever now, so there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, man, I know all three of us... uh, we have significant issues with the movie that we'll get into, but we all really liked it, I think. Generally positive opinion of it. Yeah, we're going to circle back on this, and I don't know if I'm going to have an actual like way of fully explaining it, but this is a movie that succeeds despite its relatively preposterous amount of plot holes and nitpicks which 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 are yeah which are legion it speaks to the movie's like overall quality and acting quality that it is as stupid as it is <laughs> they the nitpicks have spoken and they have said they are many <laughs> and uh, but either way so we don't need to talk too much more about that but mark you did pick this movie i sure did and you know what that means. You're going to have to hit us with a 30-second plot synopsis. 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock, and it's going to start when you start. The Abbots are a family living in rural America who are trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic world in which sound attracts these giant killer aliens or beasts or something that will kill you, like, instantaneously. They are armored, and there are at least three in the area. Uh, it's a family drama <laughs> that unfolds as Emily Blunt, who plays the mother of the family, is pregnant and giving birth to their third child. Uh, and shit really hits the fan when she actually starts having the child. Uh, and then they figure out that the deaf daughter, who's the, like, oldest kid, has the, is the key to killing them all. Time. I mean, you made it in the 30 seconds, but wowzers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is there. There's, I we're gonna. Well, I, well I'm sure we're gonna talk about this in Jesus, a few seconds. Dude. But there are, I think, three distinct stories that we can talk about here, where there's like the big story, which is the concept, which is like if someone asks you, "Hey, what this movie is about," it just comes it, up as monsters that hear world. sound. Yeah, monsters that hear sound, and then there's like well, the little story of how people are surviving in that world, and then there's like the actual 
plot of the movie, which is that this family, the Abbots, is A, dealing with the grief of losing their child to one of these monsters, and then B, having another child and trying to figure out how the fuck that's supposed to work in this world. Yeah, they're having a fourth child. Yeah, not a third. (laughs) It's a fourth child, but it's they're going to be their third active child at once. (laughs) I want to get this out of the way now, and I don't want to talk about it again. A bunch of religious groups have claimed this as a religious pro-choice or pro-life movie, whatever the bad one is, pro-life um, movie. <laughs> and fuck them. That's stupid. That's not what this movie's about, and I hate them. Uh, I like you have a take on it, considering you had to think about what side you were on. That- I remember the nomenclature. I know which one's good. Yeah, the intentionally obfuscating nomenclature that makes it sound like a bad idea to disagree with it. Um <laughs> I that I have not heard that, and it surprises me because that is such a dumb fucking take. Are you kidding well, me? That's a real thing. Welcome to the Catholic Church. Yes, the Catholic, a bunch of archbishops of the Catholic Church claimed this as a religious movie and a pro-life movie because of their monastic lifestyle and because they choose to have a baby in this apocalypse. It's obscenely stupid. I don't Couldn't want to talk Krasinski about it again. Just been like, nah, though. He did. He said, absolutely not. No, this is a this is a movie about parenthood and a father and daughter's relationship. <laughs> huh. He I mean, I, I guess I kind of get what they're what they're getting at. It is an interesting choice to like continue to have kids when you're living in the fucking apocalypse, but Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but I mean, so I guess there is probably like some interesting philosophical argument to be had there, but calling then jumping to this as a statement on abortion is wrong and and stupid and yeah (laughs) dumb so i just wanted to get that out of the way now and not mention it again either way mark i don't think there's anything else you majorly missed so why don't we dive into what in the fuck subgenres of horror this fits into except monster because i'm taking that one do we have apocalypse as a as a subgenre we have to uh if we don't then i should add it so it's an apocalypse (laughs) it also shouldn't be like 64th one we've added uh, well, you know what? It's surprising. We're gonna find movie. we're gonna find like next week that slasher isn't on the list anymore. <laughs> Some crazy <laughs> bullshit. So, whatever. This is starting to split hairs with Jax, but and I know I know that it wasn't really explained. But this has to be an alien. They come to us movie, and, and it's interesting. All the like plot synopses on the internet claim this is an alien movie, though it's never expressed in the film. It's just because you like you look at them and you're like, yeah, those are aliens. Is I am right? curious. And- I am curious if they go further into that in number two. I guess we'll find out because uh, that, that find does, out. per the trailer, that does have some pre-invasion stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I think what it boils down to, though, like I just wanted to mention it. Although I guess, like, I'm netting out on not advocating for it. Like it, it's missing key elements of the alien they come to us movie, which is like acknowledgement of the fact that they're aliens they kind of just like are dealing with the situation which is both refreshing and i think renders it not an alien they come to us movie even though you know they're aliens that came to us i i completely agree with that yeah okay. it, it literally is probably aliens because there's no other explanation for also the immediacy of their arrival right only only really speaks to aliens, an alien man, they're aliens but it's yeah. not an alien movie but, but it's not an alien movie because yeah there's none of that invasion new, stuff new sub sub genre aliens they came to us but actually it's not an alien movie so never mind <laughs> whatever i'm yeah, not perfect. adding that that's way too many words <laughs> i don't know i can i can workshop it a little bit mark i'll come up i'll come back to you okay think yeah about jake it. get on back. our per- circle back system. on this one <laughs> yeah um not a whole lot of other, i mean not a whole lot of other ones uh, that's yeah, kind of now it, there's man. It's there's three movies about silence. 
that there actually probably should be now at this point we have enough movies to to populate this there should be a sensory deprivation yeah i was gonna say like yeah that, and a quiet place and bird box and that stupid tanley the Stanley silence Tucci silence yep. whatever the hell that was called the silence yep it's the terrible silence it sucks okay. <laughs> they don't have to all be good they just all have to be within the subgenre yeah exactly but and I would are. say that this is what made this movie notable and at first is that for a long time this was this was like one of the this is one of the movies that separates itself because of how well it leverages like you in the watching experience how loud you are like how fucking loud your skittles are when you're opening them in the theater okay okay stuff so stop, because let's just jump into what this movie does right, okay? okay We're through we the sub subgenre segment. What this movie does right, the first one, is I have never had a theater-going experience like this before, where it is silent for multiple minutes on end in the film itself, and it's fucking fantastic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I have an incredible appreciation for any uh, filmmaker that is willing to use silence. It was something that was pointed out to me a long time ago in uh, when in school when I took a like a film intro to film class of how rare it is to actually have silence in a in a movie and like the effect that it has on people. And this was granted this was two thousand and nine, so this is well before this movie came out. But ever since then, I was kind of like just aware of how <clears throat> filmmakers would use silence to to generate either intensity or. Uh, some level of uncomfortable, uncomfort, uncomfort, discomfort. I think discomfort. <laughs> I got there. Thank you. Um, yeah, you got there. Su- you did it. We, we've had some su- sufficient uh, uh, technical problems this episode, so <laughs> we've been recording for longer than it seems like we've been recording. I'm sure after. And this we might have had a couple of beers during our downtime <laughs> there. Beers the whole time. So you know what? Maybe I forgot the word discomfort and went with the word uncomfort. Um, but yeah, this movie. Yeah, I mean, but, there are others Mark- out there that have done it, but this movie does it hard. And to your point, I think this is masterful work by John Krasinski, who is has a writing credit on the movie and also directed it, obviously, but he isn't the, the main writer, right? This was written by two people, and then Paramount bought it and hired John Krasinski to rewrite and direct it. And John Krasinski rewrote it to be less silent, because he the people who wrote it wanted it to essentially be a silent film, like an old you know 1920s-style silent film. John Krasinski right. said, that's a little bit too alienating. We need to change it a little bit from that. So he went with this perspective of from the the deaf daughter's perspective and the deaf actor's perspective, you get these scenes that are genuinely silent. But then also when there's other silence going on, there is a classic film score that is happening. And I think it's he did a great job of making it like still relatable, but have that silence be super impactful. Yes, uh, we should mention since we since you brought it up, Brian Woods and Scott Beck are the the top two credits uh, for writing on this movie. They also did Haunt, uh, which neither of you have seen, as far as I'm that's aware. One of that's one of the recent, correct, like, yeah. like, uh, whatever haunted house ones. <laughs> yes, right? yeah, it's it was the recent haunted house one that I believe I assigned to one of you as required viewing for this year, and then I, I gave it to Jake. Jake, I told I told you to watch this on the omnibus. No, you uh, didn't. And then they also are the writing team behind the Fifty States of Fright or whatever the fuck that show is called that's out on Quibi. I don't. Oh, know cool, on Quibi. Good, does, the, the famously long lasting and <laughs> service and Quibi. definitely not going to be bankrupt by the time that this uh, this episode comes out. But I mean, that does actually seem like a pretty cool concept where they go through each of the fifty states and make like 
they make the folklore of that state a mini Quibi episode of horror. <laughs> it seems cool. I mean, I'm I'm all for that thing. Anyways, they they are a relatively like prolific writing team. I liked uh, Haunt quite a bit, um, and it didn't have any of these like sort of writing hooks that you're talking about right here. So they're actually like I would say they their talents are sundry, right? They're not just relying on the same beats over and over again. They actually mm-hmm. like are pretty solid writers as well. And then you get Krasinski to come in and kind of change a few things. He also right, famously with a- sorry, he also famously uh fought for casting an actual deaf actress in this movie, which is a very good choice on his part. For sure, right, and that's another thing we need to talk about. Like, while there are critics of the the American Sign Language used in this movie, right, that it's it's though it's okay, it's a little bit sloppy on the actor's part, who obviously not the deaf woman, but but the actor's part, and it's not filmed by a person who really has that ingrained in them because a lot of the critiques are like, you can't see what they're signing. Like the camera angle is such that it's impossible to interpret, like read the sign language, but it is super fucking cool that they hired a deaf woman. They hired three deaf mentors, like uh, deaf and American sign language mentors to be on set to get everything right. And something I didn't know until today and obviously didn't really observe it during the movie, but every character uses a kind of different kind of sign language, like a different style of sign language to go along with their character traits. So like John Krasinski's is really sparse and really minimalist, indicating like he's all about survival and that's all that matters. And Emily Blunt's characters is much more expressive and much more fluid because she's kind of like the teacher of the family and not just worried about their survival. And I think that's really fucking cool. I do kind of buy that there's, and I don't know if they're intending it to be world building or not, but so, so. uh, They totally are. Like well, before you even go there, they I haven't. Are. I haven't made my point yet. <laughs> make <laughs> your point. Make your point. I, mean, I and understand where you're I'm going. Agree with, with me before I actually make my point. But okay, make uh, your point. But I'm already. What I was, go there. What I was going to say is that I do kind of buy that. There's this backstory here where uh, the daughter, who I don't know if you actually get any of the names, so I'm going to go off of what is listed as the under the names for IMDb. But I don't think they're actually mentioned anywhere in the film. Um, Reagan, the daughter, played by Millicent Simmons, who's the the uh, deaf actress who does have a cochlear implant, as far as I'm aware. I, there, there does seem to be a backstory here where she has the cochlear implant, which means she could art like probably hear relatively well prior to the apocalypse. And they're only ninety days in at the start of the movie, and then they're like a year later, so four hundred four hundred and eighty four days in, yeah, four hundred and seventy two days in. I'm seeing in my notes, um, <laughs> but. I guess what I'm saying here is it does kind of track that this is a family that didn't necessarily have to use sign language, but would have been aware of like had knowing enough to get by prior to the apocalypse happening. And then this happens, the cochlear implant doesn't last or the, the little hearing aid accessory piece fails and they have to fully rely at that point on their not fluent, but relatively experienced uh, like knowledge of sign language and then like the shit that grows out of that. Now probably that's just like you can't learn American sign language in the amount of time that they were trying to shoot this movie, but still there <laughs> right. is an in-world explanation that I am willing to buy into. And also I think it's really fucking cool that they tried, right? They put a lot of this into that. They did cast a deaf actor. Like they, they did do their absolute best to learn and use sign language on set. And that's really fucking cool. Yeah. And to bring it back to where we started with this, that manifests in a way that this was a remarkable theatrical experience where it just fundamentally changed. People didn't want to eat their popcorn or drink their sodas or open their candy because the fucking plastic was too loud and it broke the 
experience yeah. of everyone. <laughs> I could see I could see you having a really bad theatrical experience with this though, depending on the crowd you got, because you're pitching it from one side, but there are plenty of people out there who don't give a damn. Now Jack and I didn't have that experience, and it sounds like you didn't either. But it could have happened. Could have happened. Yeah, sure could have happened. I'm yeah. sure it did happen. I'm sure it, I I'm sure it did happen. I, I want to say one more thing about the sign language. I just think this is interesting. This this is actually what I was saying about world building from a, the perspective of like of sign language. Before you made your point, Mark. So it was something different that I was thinking. I'll give you that. But you still agree um, with me. So. I still agree <laughs> with you. And after after what you said, I agree with that take too. But what I was gonna say is that um, this was also something that I read where they had considered or tried to a certain degree to not subtitle what was being signed and just let you like read the context of what was happening between the characters as someone from the outside. And I would have been totally fucking okay with that. It doesn't really matter what they're saying. It like just matters that you can interpret how this family is interacting. Yes, I, I will agree with that. With one exception, I think yes. the scene where she, where Emily Blunt is teaching the son Marcus um, the math, the math. Yeah, I think that the, the scenes where they're. I mean, most of the scenes don't rely on dialogue. It would have been. They would have. But been, that one does. <laughs> it so. would have been risky. Ultimately, it was riskier There's, to do it that way. There's one scene that would have taken a lot away from me if it didn't have subtitles and, and would have removed a lot of the emotional resonance of this movie. And it's where it's the scene between John Krasinski and his daughter in the movie, right? The deaf actress who, uh, when he's telling her about the what he's trying to do with her cochlear, building her cochlear implants and how she's like, it's not oh, going to yeah. work. And he's like, but we'll keep fucking trying. Because like that payoff after John Krasinski's dead and she finds his lab where he's tried like a thousand different things made me cry real hard this time around. And I don't think it would have had that same emotional resonance sure. had that not That's a good point. happened earlier. That's a good point. Yeah. You would have certainly gotten something different. I think you would have had a different level of immersion inherently. That's kind of a dumb thing to say, but it's true. Although there but is, it I could have it. been a cool output to just have to like think about it like whatever they're saying like that would have been a really cool outfit. and yeah. but that's and not it, something that a movie like this is going to do they aren't going to take that level of risk so right. it was interesting it, to learn about it would be fun to see as like a like a blu-ray extra or something like that where you can watch the movie without them and just totally sort of see what happens there totally. are it, it changes the experience in a way that then you go home and you're reading about it and you're like oh this is what they were saying that's what this makes sense and then you go back and you watch it again and you're like now you have that informed opinion i i think it might drive additional views the thing that comes to mind is the beginning scene of saving private ryan are you guys aware of what i'm referencing on that oh yeah oh so yeah there's the two uh air quotes german soldiers that come out of the trenches after the normandy scene with their hands up and they say something um and they don't subtitle it spielberg uh didn't subtitle it in the movie and uh, if you speak the language, what you, what, I, I don't speak the language, so this is something I've read after the fact, but essentially they are two Czechoslovakian prisoners who have been conscripted to fight for the Germans, and what they're saying in their native tongue is, we are not German, don't shoot us, and then they're immediately shot because they're in German uniform. Yeah. So you do have those like nice little Easter egg nuggets, and by the way, that's a, like a real thing that happened in World War II, but you do, like, going that route does have the ability to deliver some like sort of Easter egg nuggets that continue to pay off as your movie continues to like have a post theatrical experience. But the, I mean, the ultimately other this was probably the good, the best decision <laughs> probably. But the other critique I've read from people in the deaf community is that like, if you're going to subtitle the very few scenes of dialogue involving sign language, you should have subtitled the rest of the movie in the very few scenes when they're speaking out loud to one another. But it's and... totally common to have subtitles for a movie. 
It is. Like every yeah. movie has subtitles. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That. The, 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 their point is simply that like this would have been infinitely more accessible for them if you had had subtitles throughout all of the dialogue. That, that's, all of it's that's, fairly minimal. Yeah, I get that. And this was still a movie that was made to make money, is, I guess, my rebuttal. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's and a movie that's that why they chose the real to, world. That's why they chose to subtitle the sign language. Is yeah. the only scene that actually has dialogue in it, though, the one at the waterfall? There's a couple. He John John Krasinski talks to Emily Blunt in the basement after she's given birth. Uh, so, th- th- but those are really the only two. There's a decent amount of whisper talk, like okay. super whisper talk. But yeah, really, the only ones where there was actual dialogue. Yeah, that the only one that I can really think of at normal volume is behind the waterfall. Uh, but but also, I mean, when she when after she gives birth and they're in the basement, he says like we're okay. She says where are the kids? He says I'll protect them. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Those also, what a bold yeah. statement. We're okay. Next question. Where are where's the other half of our family? <laughs> right. The the fifty percent of the people. <laughs> but I mean specifically, you and I are okay. Uh, our kids, I I don't fucking know. They're out yeah. there somewhere. They're probably having fun. I set one We've of them off to shoot fireworks. off the rails. We're still in what the movie does right. One thing that I want to mention is like from a. Th- we probably could have said thriller earlier. This thing has a bunch of set pieces in it that I think are like extraordinarily well done. So I, I maybe I'll lump this into pacing, but it goes from like banger sequence to banger sequence for a good, I don't know, two thirds of the movie. And even before that, I think the way it sets it up with some of the slower pacing is great. So ultimately, I guess what I'll pop this into is I loved the way this thing flowed. It's fantastic. The pacing is so good. You get it's like we talked about a couple of weeks ago or last week. Uh, no, with Joss a couple of weeks ago with planning and payoff. Right, you have super high stakes immediately when their son yep. gets fucking ripped to shreds by this thing in the first two yeah. before the title sequence. Yeah. But then it never also slows down. Like it feels intense. But you also do get quiet moments between the characters to build those character relationships, and it never feels slow. Yeah, the the brilliance of this movie is that it is a actually pretty incredible family drama that exists in a vacuum, but they also just happen to be in a post-apocalypse. <laughs> As you do. Right. I, I can't remember what other movie I've ref- I've talked about. This, this, this does seem like something I've talked about before, though, is I kind of do like these movies where the story itself is a good story, regardless of the fact that it's a horror movie. Yeah. And then it just also happens to be set against a horror movie backdrop. Yeah. For and sure. Then, and then you not only have the importance of the, the like the emotional poignancy of the story, but you also have the adaptability of the family as a point to like do- delve into in the movie. Well, and so we need then we need to touch on this here. The acting in this movie is kind of phenomenal from start to finish. Obviously, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are both very good actors and are gonna have fantastic chemistry, what with being married in real life and such. Power couple. Um, <laughs> but their kids, especially the 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 deaf actress whose name I don't have handy, no, but I definitely sh- thank you should know. She's fucking fantastic in this too, and the acting throughout is so resonant that. When it came time for John Krasinski to sacrifice himself, I was fucking crying. And when when his daughter finds all this <laughs> shit, oh my god, I cried so hard. It's it's a tough one. It has it, it, we're not particularly well equipped to talk about like emotion on this podcast, other than uh, you know obviously fear. But this is one of those <laughs> rare ones that comes along that actually does leverage some you know emotional poignancy and, and kind of 
it it I gosh, I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. <laughs> <laughs> to borrow a line from community. Yeah. Um but so it does it does have that emotional punch that we don't often get in this genre. Absolutely. I also want to talk about the creature design and what it does right as like a hard, unequivocal what it does right. Because I love these fucking monsters. I love the exact amount that they show you. I think it's the perfect amount. You see full body shots of them, but only like one is kind of slow enough to actually get an idea of what they are. I, I love the vaguely humanoid thing, the kind of leathery skin, the the echolocate. They did so much work in in researching kind of what these things might look like and then hired a couple of creature designers and ILM to make them look like that. And I think they did a fucking great job. Yeah. I, I am inclined to agree with you that this is unequivocally what the movie does, right? It lives and dies by it. And you do have a few very up close scenes, both of them just like being still and doing their (laughs) hearing thing and also moving around, which is sort of impressive, but I am curious to know what this will look like in 20 years. But, I am yeah, too, because signs that. comes to mind for this, where like the, the you you get a slow mo shot of the alien standing up in signs. You watch that now, and it looks like absolute dog shit. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I said twenty years. I maybe this is like four years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? But I I like the design of them. I think they're really coolly designed, and and uh, John Krasinski Coolie. did all the mocap for them. Which I Wait, think say is that me. again. Jo- he did. John Krasinski did all the mocap for him. Yeah. Well, I want to see that. Is that a, is I that know, a Blu-ray right? extra? I, I will don't buy know. the Blu-ray right fucking now if that is an extra. I did John a quick Krasinski Google search those, for like, it. Bubble costume things, right? Because my like the only thing I liked about those Hobbit movies is the Benedict is the 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 shots that emerged of Benedict Cumberpatch crawling around on the floor in a ping pong ball suit as Smaug. <laughs> yeah, or just in general watching Andy Serkis do his shit. But yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, man. Yeah. But John Krasinski did do all the mocap, and I think they move in a biologically believable manner. While we're talking about the visuals of this movie, um, we should just say that this is such a minor thing, but what a great fucking choice to just set. I think this is shot in New England. I actually didn't look up where they shot this. It's shot in upstate New York. Upstate New York. Yeah, wherever they shot this. That was a good choice. That is a beautiful countryside and the sweeping shots of like the various neighbors lighting their fires to let everyone know that they're still alive. Very That's good. That's a really beautiful shot. Really cool shot. The one, I think there's there's the one scene on the bridge, right? That famous bridge scene where their son dies. I'm not 100% sure that's New York. That's a famous bridge with which I'm unfamiliar. But I don't, but everything else in is Madison set in upstate New York. Because they also, like, he paid local farmers to grow all the corn for the silo scene, etc. Well, the silo scene will come up later. <laughs> don't worry about it. Will it? Yes. I think the silo scene was what it does right. Oh, the silo scene's great, but uh, oh, whatever. We this, can breach this. We can broach the seal right now. That is, n- you don't sink in corn unless the bottom of the silo is open, and you could have easily rewritten that scene to make it physically Mark, possible, but they this, didn't, and that's this a problem. Cannot exist at this part of the podcast. Uh, no, no, this because this is a scene that is exactly what it does right. Han- Hannah's brother almost died in this exact way. Yes, the bottom does have to be open. But maybe it's open. Maybe there's a hole poked in the bottom because the monster was crawling around. Like, this does happen. That's what I'm saying. You could very easily just show the fucking thing so you fall in, 
and then the thing is attracted to the sound, and then it, when it runs over, it jams one of its uh, yeah, you, sword you, appendages into the bottom, and then that's what triggers it. Yeah, that's true. They didn't need very much to make it believable. Like, okay. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it was so close to being... I actually went into a deep dive on this a while ago. Apparently, like... Five to ten people die a year in this I'm almost exact thing. H- Hannah so, grew up on a farm, and her brother almost died in this exact way. So we watched it is, this. It is possible, but she had never. By the way, she had never seen this before, and we watched this together for for the her first viewing of it. Uh, for the, for this watch around, and she was that scene like she got emotionally affected by it. <laughs> Interesting. The the one the funny thing about that, I do actually really love that scene, despite the nitpick, which is going to be the general theme for this entire movie. Um, is it's so out of the blue. Like going into this movie and you're just like, okay, so a family is trying to survive in a post apocalypse on a farm and the, you can't make sound and all this other stuff. Like I that is so far from oh, I bet one of the kids almost dies in a corn silo. <laughs> like it's just a great little like mini like fishbowl style scene that just they throw in for for added flavor and i think it i mean it's got great synergy yeah uh the last thing i have in hard does right we talked a little bit about the sound design right but i want to specifically call out the use of feedback in this movie because this is a movie that's entirely dependent upon feedback and providing feedback to the audience like that feedback sound and unlike What's the what's the alien found footage movie we watched a few months ago? What's that one called? I can't oh, remember. You're what that's gonna have called. to be uh, the 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 Gracefield incident. Yes, thank you. Unlike the Gracefield incident, this one uses feedback in a way that doesn't want to make me fucking kill myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like they oh, toned oh, oh, it. Oh, 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 you're not talking about the Gracefield incident. You're talking about the one in Montana, the Triangle. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, not the Grace Wheeler. Yeah, the Triangle. Um, You're going to have to be I, more specific with your references to found footage alien movies, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Look, that's fair. Um, they, they use feedback in a really good way here where it's clear what's happening. The feedback is a little bit uncomfortable to hear like it would be for the characters on screen. But it's also, I don't want to die as a viewer of this film. Um, <laughs> I don't need to turn my TV off because I hate it to watch. They did a really good job of moderating that. Uh, they also do a pretty good way of showing that the feedback is an important, like, a plot important sound, uh, where instead of just sort of having it be something, like, when you first rec- when you first see it, it, it it's shown as, uh, what's her name, Reagan, sort of reacting to the alien being behind her. She doesn't actually know the alien is back there, but the interaction between the alien and her is that it creates the feedback and then the thing flinches and walks away. So you do... I, I guess I'm just saying that it it tips its hand early enough in the movie that when the turn does happen, that that's sort of like her superpower that gives her the upper hand in the battle of shotgun versus alien is, you know, 30 minutes before it actually happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I am ready to move on to what does what the movie does middle. I have one other thing, which is, I think, one of the crowning achievements of this movie. So we talk a lot and joke about uh, Chekhov's prop on this podcast. This movie is one of the best examples of Chekhov's prop going on with Chekhov's nail. Now, the actual creation of the Chekhov's nail is going to come up later. Again, copy and paste my all of the thing I've said already like five times. I have a nitpick with how it comes to be, but... Uh, the nail sticking up in the painted footprint on the floor and what it turns out to be is one of the most fucking brutal and gut-wrenching scenes I, I, 
I have seen. I love the nail, and Hannah couldn't watch. Like after she stepped on it, Hannah freaked out. Right, covered her eyes and yeah, freaked out. It's it's and, awful. Like there's a deep visceral like lizard brain reaction to and it, and she couldn't watch Emily Blunt trying to pull her foot off of it. Like couldn't actually watch it. Um, so I love that. What I hate, and I noticed this time around way more than the other time I've seen this movie, is how aggressive the establishing shot for that nail is. Like, after the nail gets created, then Emily Blunt's done, the closeout to that scene is, I'm gonna slowly zoom in on this nail with dramatic music, and it's gonna last for eight seconds. It's way too aggressive of an establishing shot. Yes, I agree with that. That is sort of like... That's not what the original Chekhov's gun was. Chekhov's gun was just a gun that was left on a table in a theatrical play. But, like, that is usually how that kind of goes. It was just a little... It's why Haddon does middle. The the establishing was too aggressive. It's also it makes you worried for the rest of it. Like Hannah, every after that happened, right? Hannah, every time somebody went on those stairs, like, oh god, are they gonna get their foot stuck on that nail too? Oh god. (laughs) Yeah, that nail is going to come back up a little bit later, so we can put a pin in that for now. We can put a nail in that for now. But, <laughs> nice, um, nice, nice. Thank nice. you. <laughs> Adaptability. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, that scene, you're already worried about what's going to happen. John, uh, his name's not John in the movie, it's Lee. Lee and yeah, the kid are out. Um, and she's going into labor, and you're like, oh my god, this is already going to be intense. <laughs> I hope nothing else happens, and she fucking steps on a nail, and then there are also aliens on the f- It's like, oh my god, this escalated so fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she has a very surprisingly smooth birth for everything that's going on. I That's wrong. <laughs> I mean, for the actual, like, birthing process, yes, but also, she has a hole in her foot, and she's being hunted by aliens. That's, that's what I'm saying. Make any for sound. All it's not the, and it starts with her, like, I don't, I, I'm obviously not a doctor or an OBGYN, but it it starts with so much blood. Like, it seems like this went very swimmingly, considering all the input factors. Uh, I did watch this with my wife, who is a labor and delivery nurse, and she did not have any, anything to say about the level of blood involved. Yeah, uh, she did have qualms with how Emily Blunt takes her uh, blood pressure without actually listening oh, to, to the, her own heart rate. She listened. This is going to come up later. This is my nitpick. This I I found this one too. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So again, we have a lot of things. It's it, this is one of those movies where it's impossible to make a point about it without also talking about a nitpick. It's literally impossible. Yeah. So the thing I have the movie actually does middle is I do want to talk about the exposition in the movie because on the one hand this movie does a okay okay mark <laughs> okay mark has taken his hair and done a very dumb thing with it so uh okay i mark i, I, haven't, I, haven't, about this. <laughs> I mark, haven't gotten a haircut in months you guys we're professionals mark we're professionals <laughs> i want to talk about the exposition of this movie because on the one hand I like that it's very, very light, right? They never show you a newscast. They never tell you anything. But on the other hand, it's the terrible. Basement. The, the, the news, they show you a lot of newspaper headlines and John Krasinski's whiteboard. And what they show you is the stupidest possible thing. So they did a very bad job with that. But I like the idea of like all you get. So if you're not paying attention, you're not looking at the screen, you're not going to see the exposition and you'd be okay without it. So I like the way they did that. It's not in your fucking face. But if you look at all, it's very, very dumb. I love the exposition basement, but you're absolutely correct that it goes into what the movie does middle because the execution of it is so 
ham-fisted in a movie that is otherwise <laughs> well, relatively subtle in its storytelling it's, mechanisms. Yeah, it's the the first instance of it is after they come out of the pharmacy, the the camera pans past a newspaper that's blowing out a bench and the headline of the newspaper is it's sound with four exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that is that same headline is in the uh, the basement later, the exposition basement later. Well, like, you made a fake you newspaper, you got to reuse that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I, John Krasinski's whiteboard is hard what the movie does wrong. I'm not talking about John Krasinski's whiteboard in this segment. So I'm going to lump all of this into what the movie does middle because it is – hilariously charming in a way that he would take the time. I mean, just the, the idea, the ideology of the prop department to like, go, okay, we need to buy a whiteboard and then we need to get a set of magic markers and then we need to write stuff that is important for the viewer to understand. Number it's one, not- armor. Number two, how many are there? Three in the area. But make sure you get a different color to draw a box around three. <laughs> yeah. What is... The weakness. How is okay, this the, middle? Uh, uh, I, I, so I, I said I. Uh, we this came up as middle because it is. Uh, well, Jack introduces middle. I think it's middle as well, just because. No, it no. Is I specifically said Krasinski's white. Very, very charming. Yeah, I specifically said Krasinski's whiteboard is not middle. That's wrong. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. I I lumped in the the uh, newspaper headlines that are taped next to the whiteboard. In with the whiteboard. That initial <laughs> scene is a sledgehammer of story of of background that is probably unimportant in the grand scheme of things. But I th- I mean, I think it's fucking hilarious. I, I <laughs> we, it, it, the mo- it, this this mo- this endears the movie to me when I see it, and therefore I like it. But also, it's bad storytelling. Yeah, this this is a, we need to describe this whiteboard. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch this fucking movie. You cannot miss this whiteboard. It's it's divided. It's like a what like a. I don't know, 14 by 28 whiteboard probably. And it, on the left, it's divided into two columns. In the left column, it says monsters, I think. It's talking about the monsters. It says armored and how many in the area and then three in a big box of a different color. And on the right side, <laughs> it says needed, colon. And the first thing it says in needed is medical supplies. <laughs> not anything in particular it's just like i don't know some fucking medicine. medical shit just some medicine and shit like i'm gonna walk around and video um, it's like i'm playing a video game i'm gonna walk around until i find a medikit yeah exactly and then at the <laughs> bottom of the medical supplies or at the bottom of the needed column it says in all caps what is the and then below that they've written in, in green box. weakness in all caps and then surrounded that by a red square it's so stupid. It's, the it's, it's not endearing. It's, it's not endearing. endearing. It's heavily no. endearing. I no. love this. I find it so charming and dumb. This is not. <laughs> this not what the movie does. Middle. Possible. I don't even know. Like it's not a nitpick okay. either because it's 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 intentional. Like they had to work to make this happen. And for a movie that knows what it's doing for the most part, it's such a stupid piece of world building to like get behind how this dad is like <laughs> trying to work really hard at make helping this family to survive. Like no one, no one, 
no one would behave like that. <laughs> no one is that smart and that stupid simultaneously. Like, yeah. whoever decided yeah. to do that is a fucking clown, and I hate them. <laughs> like, yeah, some, I just do you ever do you ever think he just like on a long night where he's just studying, trying to figure out like what the fuck he's supposed to do? He just he just leans back and like has a he has a glass of scotch and he just like stares at his whiteboard like. What is the weakness? <laughs> Here's I'm Mark, so here, glad I wrote that on the whiteboard. <laughs> I will buy that he had a bunch of bourbon and wrote that on his whiteboard. I will not buy <laughs> that he got up the next day and with a hangover didn't look at that whiteboard and be like, what a fucking idiot I am. I got to clean up my act and erase it. <laughs> now, all of this is in service of the fact that like there are whiteboards at work that now at this point have not been erased in multiple months. And I walk into various conference rooms and look at what people were like trying to figure out in a meeting. I'm like, yep, that's just as dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's very, very stupid. There's no way. There's no way there's anything that dumb. You wouldn't write what's their weakness. You wouldn't write no, like write the basic thought that would lead you to something that you would write. It's, That's it's like, like the Jake, preamble it's like Jake, mentally. Quick, it's like it's quick like, nitpick. Quick nitpick. You just said what is their weakness, and that's not what it says. It says what, what is, is the, the weakness? weakness. It's stupider than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's actually actively worse than the thing you thought it was. It's, it's like if that's you, it's, it's like if you were making, and also just the fact that that's not the, that that is the stupidest thing on the whiteboard. But there's so much other stupid shit on there, like needed medical supplies. I'm going to use a quarter of my whiteboard space to write down that we need medical yeah. supplies. This guy, there's this also, guy can't simultaneously survive a bunch of shit and also be writing that on a whiteboard. That's what we're getting. It's to. like it's this like writing a grocery wrong. list. Yeah, I'm saying it's like writing a grocery <laughs> list. If I write a grocery list, I'm like, hey, Hanno, if you go grocery shopping, here's what we need. Groceries. Groceries. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Please get some medical supplies. While you're out. Why, She's like, for hey, what? Hey, Are you hurting somewhere? Smith's, could you get some medical supplies? And it's even stupider when you know that they're very discriminating about the medical supplies they take. They go to that pharmacy and only take a single bottle of pills for some inexcusable reason. Right. It, it's not, it doesn't even say, like, antibiotics, which would be still generic, but also acceptable. Or yeah, like bandages. And and I buy that like John Krasinski as a smart guy would know that his son needs some kind of antibiotics. I could buy that he understands he has a bacterial infection and not know what kind of antibiotics are going to be best. But it doesn't say antibiotics, Mark. It says medical supplies. It says medical supplies. <laughs> and they then you also gauze. have like the, You have a little bit of filling in there too that's just like we need to tell the audience exactly what they're dealing with here and they're just like descriptors of the of the things. One, they hunt sound. Two, <laughs> armored. <laughs> like, like, there's one. Just the fact that it says armor on the board somewhere is just like, well, that's it. That's why you can't shoot them with shotguns. Okay, look, we're we're getting here, Mark. I think this is going to be one of the ones where we can't really have a distinct nitpick segment from a what the movie does wrong because what the movie does wrong is a lot of the nitpicks just rolled into one. So we're gonna need you to blow that Jack. fucking whistle. Jack, I hear you and I understand, and I am going to blow the whistle here in a second, but I think if we've discussed anything on this call so far, it's that it's not just... Nit nitpicks are not just entwined with what the movie does wrong. <laughs> they are what, nitpicks they are, are entwined with what this movie is. Yeah, this movie is nitpicks. Blow the whistle. <laughs> okay, so the first and most obvious is that there is... So they propose in the, it's not just like that you could think of solutions to survive in this world. It's that they are aware of and tell you the solutions to survive in this world. No problem. And choose not to do them. It's bubbles being one of them. Apparently bubbles, Jack. the biggest one bubbles are the biggest one. Get a bubble machine. 
We, we look, we've all, everybody knows, fucking live by that waterfall. If you don't want to live by a waterfall, live by running water. Just put a water wheel in there with a clacky machine. Like, just that, a, a. None of this. Oh, dude, dude. It's so stupid. You don't Jam even. It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have. They have exhibited that they can basically hook up this entire compound they have to like have different colors of lights that mean different things. Just put up a perimeter of like continuously blooping and blasting ACDC, and you're good, dude. Yeah, I would say blasting Cotton Eye Joe. Someone record someone just running around, being like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god," and then put speakers up every twelve feet yeah. and just have them. Run like, around you know, in a circle. They've done all of the run work. Run around the outside of your property for like. They've every already day. done all of the work, but for some reason they found it more important to have lighting and a whole fucking camera system than just solving the problem. <laughs> it's so simple. It's a, a, a speaker. If you don't need it to sound good, is a mechanically very simple device that John Krasinski's character in this movie is obscenely capable of creating. And it might be better that it sounds bad, actually. Yeah. It would just be like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, there are only three of them in the area. Throw a fucking Bluetooth speaker down a mine shaft. Like, <laughs> Have them, yeah. They go down there, and then you fucking just, like, whack one of the poles, and the thing collapses. It's I cannot believe they have not explored... They haven't explored sound at all, yet they understand conceptually that no. it's about sound. It's fucking preposterous. They put now, 90 now, days now, worth now, of time... Now, in to them, they're, like, less than a year in... Well, actually, I guess in the middle of this movie, they are slightly more than a year in. But at the Mark, beginning of the movie, they're 90 days into the apocalypse, so I get they, that they wouldn't have tried all They put stuff, the but. entirety of those 90 days into making a miles-long trail of sand. Of sand. Insta- and walking in that barefoot instead of, I don't know, strap some fucking pillows to your feet, get some Vibram five fingers. There are, this is the stupidest way to go about this. You have done a Why very bad job. Why is sand quieter? Sand is louder than it's any louder. other you walk on. I mean, it's not louder than like crumpled, than dried leaves, but if you exclude dried leaves, it's much, much louder than grass or just concrete. And also, there are dried leaves in the sand. Yeah, <laughs> so you're not curing the, the dried leaves scenario. Also, the... like it's it's kind of like slapping in the face that sound is vibrations. Like the vibrations in sand would be the vibrations in anything. Like running on anything would be with the sensitivity of hearing of these monsters, they would notice. Yeah, they, they, they understand. Hey, you're louder as a human with your heartbeat and whatever with yeah. both, most things. But also, it wouldn't matter. Like, Deep sand when you're when you're walking or running on it makes that weird like squeaky sound yes. that actually is pretty damn loud. They understand sound as well as about about as well as the filmmakers of Tremors understand like vibrations and how that would work. So so I am worried at this point that we've gone straight into nitpicks. No, I get that-, that we made I get that we made the, the disclaimer there, but I think there are things that this movie does hard wrong, and one of them the f- is we just talked about one. Jesus. Well, okay, fine. So yeah. Overall, it's just like, in general, these beings are, and the way the movie treats them is wildly inconsistent with what they can and can't hear. If they can hear a, like, bottle, a, a lantern falling off a table from miles away, it seems why like can miles you not away. hear your heartbeat when they're 100 feet from you? Or 10 feet from you. It's insane. So, to Let's digest a scene real quick. The, the one of the, like, early scenes in this movie after the cold <laughs> open of trying to demonstrate how sensitive these things are is when the, the kids are playing Monopoly and they knock over the lantern and then there's some like clattering on the outside of their house and it ends up just being raccoons. And then the raccoons are wandering away and one of the raccoons gets killed. 
by one of the monsters because they're making yep. too much sound. So first off, that means there's a monster within, I mean, you see it. It's within like 300 feet of their house, 400 feet of their house. It could hear all of the things they were doing. And then the second thing is the raccoons themselves, when they're on the roof, make a fucking loud oh, sound. Oh, fuck load of sound. Raccoons are loud as shit. Also, they they've been making such loud sounds. They're basic animals. They've been making loud sounds for the last over a year. How many raccoons would be left? Yeah, the no. raccoon population is dwindling. Yeah. Uh, but that that type of the, the way that they deal with that, what, what the monsters are sensitive to, is sort of that inconsistent throughout the entire movie. The only thing I'll say about that scene is they have demonstrated a lot of efforts to soundproof that basement. <laughs> so now uh, the soundproofing sorta. itself is a whole other thing. The so so you have the all they do is pull a mattress over a hole and they're like, okay, it's totally fucking soundproof. No, but then they, in that scene you can also see slats like you can see the light between the floorboards. Yeah, that that part's dumb because they also did like with the walls. They put paper mache on all the walls, uh, but they don't do anything about the rest of the fucking floor. Uh, it's very stupid. Yeah, the the soundproofing of the basement was a, definitely something I had in the nitpicks. Where it's Jake just, just like, gets up now. Jake just gets up and leaves now. This <laughs> scarecrow. Jake's He's left. Having a tough day, man. <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing is very, very dumb. They they do a bad job of soundproofing this basement. But also, it's completely soundproof, and I guess they've tested it. But they also don't live down there all the time. This is with the kids. We can only go down in the basement once your mom has the kid. Otherwise, we can't go down there, even though it's a bunch of extra accessible square footage. We could actually like converse. And whatever. it's safe. We've proven it's safe like all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's the the soundproof basement is one of the stupidest things in this movie. Yep, yep, especially yep. just in execution, where it's just like there's this shitty. It's not even like a new twin mattress. You could find a new twin mattress so fucking easily and just drag it to your house. They use the most beat up, shitty, like bed yeah, bug yeah, ridden yeah. street yeah. mattress you can find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're living in a world where a drugstore wasn't totally raided, so obviously you have whatever resources you want at your disposal. Because yeah, you everybody have a, must I have died quick. You. I can guarantee uh, you that this family has a guest bedroom on their house. You're not going to need your guest bedroom, guys. I hate to break it to you. No one's coming to visit. Get the queen mattress from that room and put that over your soundproof floor. Well, plus fucking Boise itself has had like 10 different mattress stores open. They must be some kind of front for something. It's too many mattress stores that opened up in Boise all the fucking time. I oh, don't understand. Uh, that's to plug that's another the cornerstone of mattress economies, man. That's how <laughs> yeah, it works. Just to plug another quick podcast, actually, Planet Money did a really interesting yeah. thing on the phenomenon of of mattress stores yeah. a while ago. That you that's a much discussed topic. Stellar. It's very good. We're not going to get into it here. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Here's another nitpick escalated into actually what the movie does wrong. Um, just shoot the gooey stuff. You know they're armored. You know that they're very intense, oh. and it takes it takes it takes the feedback for it to open up all the scales, and then it collapses. But even then, when Emily Blunt shoots the fucking thing because the scales are opened up, there's no feedback happening at that point. It's just opened up at scales, and you can see from Emily Blunt's perspective. They show you a down the barrel shot of the monster, and it's all open listening. It's all goo in there. Just shoot that fucking they gooey stuff. Enough vid- it's all they haven't played enough. 
they haven't played enough video <laughs> games. Like, that's the classic thing. It's like, you have this armored enemy, and then it'll, like, make itself's weak point known for a split second, and that's when you have to attack. Shoot yeah, that gooey yeah. stuff, that's man. That really, that's a neat pick, really, that Emily Blunt didn't play enough video games as a child. Video games are a neat pick. That, but no, no, because it's not a neat pick because then she shouldn't know to shoot that gooey stuff when it opens up later. She shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Why would she know one point, not the other? It's that still is, a I mean, I think this is not just a nitpick. This is something the movie does harder on this because is what it I'm does saying. somehow what they do is the the turning point of the movie when you figure out that Reagan's uh, earbud thing that creates cochlear feedback, implant cochlear makes implant. them. Well, it's not the no. It's actually not the cochlear implant. It's the hearing aid that attaches to the cochlear implant creates the feedback. And then, even in that case, it's just the hearing aid that she detaches from the cochlear implant. And That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is another nitpick. She fuck it, She's shown in pain from that so much that she turns the whole unit off instead of just removing the part that's making the feedback that could help her. I I mean, whatever. I don't I don't have a cochlear implant, and they are very specific pieces of technology, so that might be the easier way to do it. My point here is that the hearing aid unit that she's wearing, the microphone, I guess, is somehow able to make them more sensitive, but physically they are just as exposed when they're reacting to the implant as they are to when they're them listening just normally carefully. doing a scan of a room. Yeah, when they're listening carefully. So, like, yeah, so, like, do something as a as a design studio to make them seem more vulnerable. Like, like make them hearing normally, just have like one little plate open up and like kind of flicker around a little bit and then have right, them exactly. like and then when the up and have all their scales It's all the off. plates on the head. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But they yeah, show that, you that Emily is... Blunt pointing a shotgun at a thing that has directly shown her all the goo. It's exposed its underbelly to her and she doesn't take the shot. Yeah. Trigger hesitation. Sp- <laughs> Jack's favorite topic, that and fire. Hey, speaking of uh, Emily Blunt, let's talk about the Chekhov's nail scene when it when it rears its ugly head initially, not okay. when it is fully realized. <clears throat> so okay. Emily Blunt is walking up the stairs, and she's carrying a burlap sack, and the burlap sack catches on a nail that is already in the painted region of the stairs, not attached to anything, mind you. And the burlap sack you also- catches on it. And then she's like, the clearest, the clearest and probably quietest way for me to resolve this situation is just yank on it until it undoes itself. She doesn't check what it's stuck on. And the fact that she just pulls on this thing until the sack would probably fucking break and spill its contents everywhere is like so anti what the actual methodology would be to resolve this in a quiet and efficacious manner is kind ridiculous. of ridiculous. Unforgivable. But, I mean, it's, and for it me, it's jarring. I built stairs professionally. I can't. Why would you ever have a nail coming straight up from the bottom of a stair? There's no reason. That would be so hard. That's like an eight penny nail. That would be so hard to hammer in place upside down through the bottom of a thing. It's got to be an extended length eight penny nail, and you're gonna hit it upwards. There's no. There, it doesn't exist on those stairs. You hammer floorboards and, and well, downward. So the f- to elaborate on this, the funny thing is, so it's not nailed in straight up. It would have to have been, based on how it got snagged, nailed in at an angle, if you're looking at the stairs, like, toward the direction that you're walking up, which is literally physically impossible unless that nail is, I don't know, 18 inches long. 
I'm saying it's like an extended length 18 penny or eight penny nail and that somebody hammered in the wrong direction very ghosts. intensely. It's ghosts. Yeah. So I do love the nail. It is a good scene. It is one of the most memorable things in this movie, but the is genesis it, Is the of... nail really one of the most memorable things to you? Oh, hard, yes. yes. Her stepping huh. on that nail. Even though you it's know it's It's memorable in the sense to me, maybe we've seen too many of these movies. It's memorable in the sense, like, I hard agree. It is, like, one of the best examples with Chekhov's blah. But there are so many good set pieces in this movie that that one, like, it, it <laughs> introduces. The, it's it's hard hitting, I guess. It adds on. There's, like, so many things that coalesce for uh, the shitstorm birth sequence that she has to face. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's basically what it is. But also, if I get to go go back and watch this movie, that's the one I that's the scene I I still close my eyes for. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Where it's just like I I, I don't like people stepping on nails. It's, it's the only okay. it's the only one Hannah actively couldn't watch. Come exactly. walk around in my backyard for a while. You'll accomplish that. Well, you okay? Cool. This is a problem we need Good to thought. fix, Jake. Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I it happened once last summer. <laughs> it was great. Uh, Mark, you mentioned this earlier, but you you do when you're taking your heart rate, you need both the blood pressure cuff, the sphygmomanometer, and you need your manometer. Yes, that is what I said. No, you got close. Valiant effort. If you thought I said sphygmonumometer, I think that might have just been a Skype issue. I sped. I I sped. I sped. Mark, I'm clearly speaking perfectly. I obviously know exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> uh, either way, you need to monitor your. You need the sphygmonumometer. You need your own heart rate. Oh my rate. god! <laughs> this is a nightmare. Get through it. <laughs> you sphygmomanometer. You use the blood pressure cuff, Jack. Thank say you. That. No, I want to say sphygmomanometer. Manomometer. Manomometer. Yeah. Uh, you can't then listening to your infant's heart rate is also, or your fetus's heart rate is also critical, but is not going to help you with your blood pressure measurement. Well, and the the biggest thing here is so when she takes her own blood pressure, what she does is she she uses the blood pressure cuff and she pumps it up to one eighty, which is correct, and then. As my lovely wife pointed out, she just, without even looking at the fucking thing or listening on the stethoscope to what the sounds are, which you need to listen to the sounds in order to it's, know. It's what, pronounced what stemoscope, Mark. What? I said it's pronounced stemoscope. I was doing a joke about too many M's. Gotcha. Cool. Yes. Doing You're listening on the stemoscope to get your systolic and diastolic. You can kind of look at where the needle's moving, but like the whole point of this scene is that. She pumps up to 180 and then does not look at it. She then like does it nothing. Her and then just, just immediately it. turns the calendar and just writes her systolic and diastolic pressures on there. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, it's all so, terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a fantasy point for me. Did I call the poorly understood medical science in horror at movies? At some point, but that might have been in 2018. Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, is it not 2018 right now? <laughs> what year is it? Uh, the fact that they show you how dangerous this rocket toy is like how quickly that sound attracts the monsters and then don't you like fucking use that rocket toy wire that into a continuous power source and you're golden you're home free fucking jesus you wouldn't do that though i would no why 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 would you why would you why because it's what? loud. It's there. It's easy. Dude, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter how loud it is. See, this is where we get to a question. We're we're far enough into this podcast. Like, 
we're we've already established that you need to set up a sound perimeter, right? A wall of sound around your compound. Like Phil Spector. What would you go with? What would you go with? It doesn't matter what it sounds uh, like. It's just uh, sound. Uh, they just co- need sound. I tell you, the song Cotton Eyed Joe blasted on loudspeakers in a circle <laughs> around my property. On repeat? Cotton Eyed oh, Joe? Would repeat. you guys mix it up or would you have like a steady thing? I'd I would go like, with Spice Girls, personally. I'd, I'd slow it down like 50%, like a slowed down version of Cotton Eyed Joe. You would like go a insane William in Shatner, like two days. Like a William dude. Shatner version of Cotton Eyed Joe. Like, I think you'd go insane in two days. Jake, you don't know my bedtime I, routine. You don't know how I fall asleep every night. <laughs> I think realistically I'd try some sort of like a white noise. Like I would try to manufacture that running water sound because their compound's pretty sick. I wouldn't. Their compound is sick. I honestly wouldn't use speakers. I'd build my compound near the river, and I would set up a clacking machine, just like a bamboo shoot on a thing, like like the Wheel of Fortune wheel on a water. Yeah, you wheel. know that. The but easiest why, fucking why way move? to do their, all of their this. Their place is already good. They have the farm. They have all that stuff. Like, just set up a perimeter, man. I'd set it up around if a only, river, though. If only, <sighs> as humanity, we had figured out a way to make things chime in the wind that you could just hang. <laughs> From trees anywhere. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be super God, nice. if only let's 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 open up like a wing of Harvard to figure out this type of technology so that we're protected <laughs> when it comes. I'm gonna get my degree in wing wind Also, also, if you're gonna go out in the world, I boys, I'm gonna posit to you a, 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 a something here. What would what would solve this problem? A bop it. You turn a bop it machine on and you <laughs> throw it, and then when it hits the ground. The the ground is either going to bop it, twist it, or pull it. It probably can't pull it, but it's either going to bop it or twist it, and then it's going to start, right? Bop it, pull it, and then the machines and the monster is going to go after that. And wow, when you lose, come on, carry around a, a, a bandolier of boppets, if you will. Here's, here's my question, though. Uh, what happens if the monster finds it and hits bop it? It's like, then, bop it, and then the monster's like, bop it. And this, then like, it keeps going. It, like The monster's like, no. Well, then it attacks it and it breaks it, but you've gotten away either way, or you okay. haven't, and you have a second boppet from you your have bandolier to, have too many to throw. I don't know, man. You need like okay. or Simon. Simon You're, would also work in this scenario. You're being as careful as they are, but you have a bunch of boppets on you. Well, yeah, the, I, I get what you're saying. You need a sound grenade of some type of just a thing you activate and throw. Yeah. I think this is where this can. is where A Quiet Place Two is going to go. A Quiet Place Two is just going to be an action movie, and it's going to be fucking Emily Blunt and her like son that she birthed, played by Dolph Lundgren, probably <laughs> just fucking these things up. And look, if you want to, if you want to go with the not fun answer, I mean, we have grenades that make sound we have flashbang grenades why wouldn't you just have a billion of those Doesn't all it, the time well, like pretty much all grenades make sound well yeah but especially <laughs> you know explosions explosions yeah, are pretty fucking those loud. are pretty good at making sound they but might also fuck these oh, things oh shit up. i would be you know very what I didn't worried realize <laughs> what you know what i didn't realize uh and it's like the second name that pops up in the credit speaking of explosions this is uh produced by michael bay is it really there really yeah. like no he's like the second name that pops up wow Weird. Just yeah. the just the fireworks. Yeah, exactly. He was a consultant for the fireworks. That's like hilarious. why would your also why would your noise machine be something that ends, something that isn't a constant sound like fireworks and not just like a vacuum cleaner? Go turn on a vacuum yeah, cleaner I, attached to a megaphone. That's what I'm saying. They that's do what I'm so- saying. Just hook like hook up your sound system and just play Grateful Dead, dude. <laughs> play the Grateful Dead. Never ends. Huh? Yikes. It'll never end. It's yeah, good. what you can listen to one single song for three and a half years. You'd be fine. You talk about going crazy and wanting to kill yourself. You play Grateful Dead all the fucking time. 
Welcome that's to my why, actual That's why all listener. the neighbors are trying to kill themselves. Is you, as, just, you, you chose the wrong soundtrack. As soon as Touch of Grey ends, you're like, okay, there's, it's all downhill from here. Oh my god, Jack's just, Jack's just trying to stir the <laughs> pot right now. Mr. I'll listen to Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I'm not saying I want to listen to Cotton Eye Joe, but I'm saying the monsters would be ir- more irritated by it than I am. I would, yeah, I would just start to think about what tracks would fuck with their brains as much as possible. Cotton Eye Joe. Nine inch nails. Nine inch nails would be what I'd play to fuck with them the most, just because that's the most like soundy, (laughs) most sound like sound. Maybe like Sonic Youth. Why not play some like Crash Test Dummies? Because that's melodic and fun. Is it? It's kind of just industrial noise. Superman never made any money saving the world from Solomon Grundy, Jack. (laughs) Okay. Don't you know this? Okay. Okay, Mark. Um,. I'm not 100% sure uh, about, like, the use of SOS, but I'm pretty sure that it does imply an immediate danger, so it's not the signal I would employ to broadcast around constantly. Jack, no, 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 come on, this is a bad take. You, okay, you're me. You have, the the reference you have for uh, communicating with Morse code is what is written on the side of your flashlight. Uh, okay. what are you going to broadcast over ham radio? Anything. Any Hi, series it's of me, not... Jack, I am alive. Hello, how are you today? I, w- I would say, are you there? I would Any any sequence of non-random, just, it doesn't matter. Dots and dashes don't matter. You're not trying to broadcast a language. You're seeing if anyone else is alive. So put a signal. You're just saying that it might be automated, that there is something broadcasting SOS, so do something not SOS? Yes. Oh, Dude. okay. I guess that's kind of fair. A lot of ships have an automated SOS signal. So send something that's just like Jack. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> Beer here. Unique Beer at my be house. How does he be unique, man? Yeah, I'm trying to be unique by not doing SOS. That's my whole point. Rager at my house. Follow well, the sound. While we're Rager on Rager at mine. <laughs> <laughs> Parents gone. Rager tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bring kegs. No sleep till Brooklyn. Oh, God. <laughs> While we're on the subject, how the fuck? It's presented like this is the first time they've ever seen their neighbor's fires. What the fuck? At the very end of the movie? You've been there for well over a year. How is this the first time when you know there's people around? He's not at all surprised to see that dumb old bearded fuck scream when his wife dies, which that whole other scene is something I want to talk about. But he's not surprised to see another person within a few miles of him. How the fuck is this the first time you've seen those smoke signals? What are you talking about? He sees the smoke signals at the beginning of the movie, and he's like, hey, guys, that's like him being... Socially distant, just sort of like, hey, we're still alive too. He has his own fire going. Why is he broadcasting SOS when he could just go fucking talk to one of his fucking neighbors? Well, I assumed, I always kind of assumed that it was- Offer him a Gansett. He lives in the Northeast. Hey, neighbor, how about a Gansett? Have a Gansett. I mean, I always kind of assumed he was broadcasting on a frequency that was not just like to his fucking neighbors, but- Yeah, I felt like that was not for his neighbors. What? what's he interested in if not his neighbors? The military's obviously gone. What the fuck? He's looking for the outside world, and they exist all yeah, around that, him. There could be 
there could be an enclave of resistance somewhere that figured something out. He's just reaching out, man. Are you, you're just going to give up? You're not going to try and contact anyone? You're just like, oh, well, okay. I'm going to contract a lot of pe- I'm going to try to contact a lot of people, starting with the people I'm aware of that exist that I know are near me. That's who I'm going to start trying to contact. Those people are suicidal dumbasses. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I want to talk about that live near him. I want to talk about the dumbest old bearded bastard I've ever seen in my life. What a fuck. What is that with that scene? That can't possibly be true. I've seen what? plenty of bearded dummies. Okay, look, I'm not... I This man is as stupid as Ammon Bundy, I think. <laughs> Ammon Bundy's my go-to for what? dumbest beard. Does he and, even have a beard? I don't even... He has he had a beard before. The guy was clean-shaven. Ammon, beard, Ammon huh. Bundy has had a beard, and he's my go-to for dumbest bearded man. Um, I think, but this I mean, guy... Fair. Not Sidney Crosby? Are you only saying that because Sidney Crosby can't grow a beard? Yes, he's never actually had a beard. Of course, Sidney Crosby's okay, never had enough. a beard. Obviously. Um, but also, Sidney Crosby is not as dumb as Ammon Bundy. I think even Jake would admit that. No, Jake? not even close, dude. Oh. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Come, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I hate him, but respect the game. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that scene is dumb. I hate it. That scene doesn't need to be in there. I don't think it adds any ten- tension. It, it's just dumb, and now I'm hiccuping. You've worked yourself into a hiccup. Yeah, I've worked myself into a lather. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Very stupid, that scene. We could go on for nitpicks. I mean, is it stupid? What what exactly is stupid about it? The guy lost his wife. His wife was attacked, and now he's spiraling in depression, and he's going to kill himself. He dug a shallow grave for his wife two feet to the side of a sort of non-existent trail. Like, the confluence of events that had to add up to them meeting one another on the road there, and now his wife is buried, and so his first move is, I see other people, and I'm going to wait for a dramatic amount of time and then just start wailing. Is I, I don't understand any part of that scene. I don't understand what it's supposed to do. I just think it's like they needed something. They They thought it was a pacing thing, and it probably was. It probably did help the pacing. But fucking, you need something better than that. It was dumb. The guy is drunk. <laughs> he he's on the field. He is naked. <laughs> I mean, but also maybe that was it. Maybe the guy got fucking shammered after he saw his wife get murdered in front of him, and then that's you know what he couldn't hold it in anymore. He just had to wail. Mark, you've saved this for me. This is a fan theory now. Yeah, the guy's just obliterated. I mean, did you see that dumb old bastard in his beard? He's obviously drunk. He's never not drunk. That man has, hasn't been sober for 45 years. See, I'm, that's I'm actually surprised. That's actively why we wouldn't survive. <laughs> Day like <laughs> three of this apocalypse, we would get a little bit, we'd get a little bit juiced and make just a hair too much noise. <laughs> yeah, but we'd have a Cotton Eye Joe well system playing all around the border. Yeah, we'd all just have all of our, we'd have our systems wired up, just constantly playing like Run the Jewels, just on loop. <laughs> Go ahead and fucking find me in my own back war- backyard, you idiot. And then my own back like, ward. <laughs> well, also. This has been a I'll long t- recording, okay? I'll tell you what, one of them would stare me in the face and open up all its gills, and I'd shoot those gooey bits, Mark. I'd throw a dart at it. I'll tell there you, you that go. much. There you go. I'd get a dart inside its skull. It'd become infected over time, and maybe it would die of sepsis. I'm not a great shot, but good enough. I mean, if it's like three feet from you, I'm pretty sure you could hit it. Yeah, exactly. I hit the gooey bits. There's so many gooey bits. Should we go to ratings? Should we go to ratings? Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Gooey bits sounds like a beer. We over at ADC Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think about Brad Leone would write using the microwave.
I'm not a big microwave fan, all right? I'll just say it. And for 10, think about Chris Adams, right? How many new walls there are? New wall. There are lots of new walls all around. Stories, the first category to rate these movies. Mark, your pick, your story rating guy. So I went with a seven and a half here. This is a tale of multiple stories. I, the the big story here is like kind of the the elevator pitch, which I think is actually quite impressive uh, for this movie. This is the thing that you sell it on, and it is quite good. The overall concept, and then you have the actual like sort of what I would call the little story here, the execution of creating that world. This is a weird one because I don't think you can fully divorce story from world building. So our first two categories are going to get sort of confounded a little bit. It's a perfect rating system. And then on top of that, you also have the story of like sort of the family drama that's happening of like, they lost this kid whose fault is it? It's everyone's fault. It's nobody's fault. Tragedy happens. Let's have another kid. Yada, yada, yada. All of that is super interesting and overall very good on balance. But this also just opens itself up to, quite a lot of nitpicks as we have already explored so seven and a half is where i landed all right jake what about you i went eight i agree with what mark's saying i wow broad stroke broad strokes like the story of this is a good one you have the something that i enjoy personally which is like the apocalyptic monster movie and survival horror aspect and then you have the emotionally kind of gut-wrenching family aspects that they add to it. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right, Mark. There are, like, an astronomical number of nitpicks of this movie, but I'm not going to put that in this category. Like, the story of this movie is super solid. It's when you start to dive into everything that it gets a little bit rough around the edges. I think I think we're about to do a flippy-floppy thing here. I gave it a five for story. I, I cannot... Yeah give it a really high store for high score for story when there are this high many aspects for story. Of, high score. Yeah. Which are when there are this many aspects that are just like, if you just do this, there wouldn't really be a movie to watch because you'd be fine and surviving mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and thriving 30 and paint with a bigger thriving. brush, Jack paint with yeah. a bigger brush. Yeah. So I, I can't give it beyond a five, but it is a good story. It's, I mean, I think the fact the, the original <laughs> the original the originality of the story is belied by the fact that like three simultaneous movies with the exact same story were being written at the same time, and I think it is a thing of like, uh, what uh, simultaneous conception. So I don't. It just speaks to how original the story is, which is not very. Uh, it's an apocalyptic story with a monster, and I like it. Um, but it's not great. That's gonna take us into world building and immersion. Mark, that is a preposterous oversimplification of what this movie does. (laughs) I gave this movie a six and a half uh, for world building and immersion. I don't think we can really undervalue the world building here. It, It has its issues, obviously. And when you try and do a grand concept like this one is trying to do, obviously you're going to run into some issues, but the overall point they were trying to make was obviously realized well in the theatrical experience for most of the people who went to this. I haven't heard any horror, and this is sort of ironic. I haven't heard any horror stories of people who went to yes, this and were like, "Oh yeah, there was a family in front of me that was just like they didn't give a shit. They were opening yeah. their candy and like laughing the whole time." It's it's obviously Every confirmation time- bias, Mark. But you're you're right that all the stories you hear about this are it was great. It was it was mind blowing, right? Exactly, and they and they did focus their ad campaign on that. So maybe I am being manipulated by Hollywood, which is highly probable, but. That That is sort of the story of this movie, is it sort of rewrote the rules for sitting and watching a movie in the cinema, which 
in and of itself is pretty interesting. Um, like I said already, it's already pretty hard to divorce the world building and immersion from the actual story just because this is a post-apocalyptic movie. So I don't really have much else to add on to this one without what I've already said in story. But I mean, putting the nitpicks aside, I do think they did a really stellar job of kind of setting this family in this place that they did. The, the, the choices they made, for example, with the sand are kind of dumb, but they are interesting and creative world building elements, right? Yeah, by like, that. You can argue with it as much as you want, but I still think that it's a good piece of flavor. So on balance, this is definitely above average. I gave it a six and a half. All right, Jake. I agree with what Mark said. Uh, to me, the world building in this movie is like tr- tremendous. And even the copious amount of nitpicks that we had can't attract too much from it. I gave it a seven. This is a movie that if <laughs> you you have to just get through the things that you have a difficulty with, which to me primarily was like the perimeter of sound thing. But once you do that and you think about all the choices that they made that you can argue with all you want, but like at least they still contribute to the world that they have built here. It's a, it's a solid effort. It's nowhere near perfect, but it's solid. So I gave it a seven. Jack, we might've done that blippy floppy thing you were mentioning lower than story for me, but it's still a relatively high score. I think that they had a vision and they went for it. Yeah, for sure. If you guys did a flippy floppy, that means Jack gave this like a nine. I mean, I give it an eight. Um, it's, it's, it's really high. Jake, you said you have to get through it. And, and I kind of disagree with that. I understand what you mean, but I don't think you have to get through it. It's, it's one of those things where all those things are nagging with you, but despite my best efforts, I'm pulled into this fucking film. I'm, I'm Mm. engrossed in the world they build, despite how stupid a lot of the decisions are. It's, (laughs) I'm I'm fucking there for it. I'm engrossed in it. I'm, I'm, I'm into this world. They, they build a fantastic world and they immerse me in it. I think, I think all that is lovely. It's obviously not perfect. But it's uh, it's way up there, and so all the things I dinged it for for story, I think, are compensated for here. I I'm, I'm putting all that in the writing, but the actual what ends up on the screen is just watchable as all hell. So I'm giving it an eight. It's gonna get us into scare factor, Mark. What is your scare factor score? I went right down the middle on this one. I gave it a five and a half. I think what this movie is trying to do is go more for intensity than actual fright, and I appreciate that. But it's also not something that will particularly linger with you. The points of this movie that are super resonant on the scare factor are things like Emily Blunt giving birth in the tub with the monster walking behind her, her stepping on the nail, uh, the kid getting sucked down into the vortex of corn. These things that are scary and highly intense, as I already said, but not particularly things that will like haunt your nightmares or whatever. So this might get under your skin for certain specific things. And there are parts of this movie that are legitimately hard to watch, like the nail scene. But outside of that, it doesn't have that like lingering flavor to it. So I kind of just ended up going right down the middle. Fair enough, Jake. Mark and I are in lockstep here. What I had written down was this is an abnormally intense movie. So I agree. While it's not the scariest, I think that the, like 50,000 foot view concept is a scary one, but what they do and go for here are these big, very uncomfortable, intense, like preposterous in your unluckiness, like the birth thing, primarily set pieces that are extremely intense and like a little bit difficult to watch, uh, especially on first viewing. So that is impactful, but like Mark said, it's it's not something that's going to stick with you as much after the movie. 
so it needs to be like tempered a little bit. That's why I gave it a six and not higher. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I give it a six as well. The, the The one scene that hit me differently the second time around than it did on the first viewing is there's there's one scene in particular that I think will stick with me. All the stuff you guys have said, I totally agree with. But the one scene is when Emily Blunt is in the flooded basement and she looks across the room at the monster and it like slithers and under the sinks. water. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that is... was interesting. I forgot about that scene. Me too. And that the yeah. I, I don't know if it's the mocap or the creature design or what happened there, but that I love is how it so just like... it's gone. And it's be- yeah. it's a believable fluid movement. That scene yeah. might I might have nightmares about that scene. Well, that was I think what and it is it, is that it... you don't anticipate that these things are going to like know their way around water and it seems su- way too at home. Yeah, man. but it also makes sense in the grand scheme of things because water is such a better sound conductor than air. So you're if you sure. like if you're one of these things and you live in the world of sound, you're just like, yeah, I'll go to that thing that is a much better medium. Yeah, and also like. like if you're an alien that came to Earth and it's like super waterfall, you might want to know what water is. <laughs> yeah, hypothetically, you know, you I just, mean, maybe they came from a water planet. You don't know. It certainly <laughs> wouldn't want to be toxic to you. You'd think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They might have done a better job than the science aliens. Is all I'm saying. But there's there's just something about the way that like its movement is believable. Like the splash it gives off is minimal but believable, and the way it just like slinks under that water that might stick with me. But everything uh, everything you guys said is is correct. It's a six for me. That's gonna take us into effects or judicious lack thereof. Mark, I gave it a seven here. Uh, these points are mostly allotted for set design and props. That's I feel like mostly what this movie does, uh, and what leads to what lends itself to the world building. Choices and story aside of like you could have created a world of sound or a wall of sound or all this other shit, like what they did end up doing visually in this movie is actually quite impressive and interesting of like the Christmas lights, the lighting that they did for the movie, the things they are actually able to still do, like play Monopoly by Gas Lantern, which was a nitpick I never brought up. They have electricity. I don't know why they're just not using electric lighting, but all of that aside, <laughs> um, this movie lives and dies by the ability to create the world. So it is a seven. The only thing that I'm knocking it down a little bit here for is I don't know if it will have the lasting effects of a movie like say Jaws, that is a fully practical effects driven movie. It's going to be interesting to see what this looks like in five to 10 years and just revisit it then and be like, ah, it's an entirely CG monster. Kind of like the end of of, uh, uh, Jurassic Park. Right? Yeah, I'll buy that. It looked great at the time. You go back and you watch it, and now there's a fully CG T-Rex fighting Velociraptors, and you're like, ah, maybe not. At the very end, but the rest of Jurassic Park looks fucking great. The practical yes. parts. Yeah. Right, uh, right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly my point. <laughs> yeah, Jake. Seven and a half. Again, primarily the same like same reasons for a very close score. Uh, this is a movie that I think, by and large, looks great. Sets and props are all very well realized. It... It helps out with the world building, so I'm not going to like do too much here for that. But it looks good. It sounds good. And the only thing that I was a little concerned with was this time through when I had that critical eye on it. When they kill the monster near the end, it you see the most of it then. And it just made me... I already thought on this viewing that it, it might... It looks, it looks fine. Okay? It looks fine. No complaints. But question mark for a few years from now. 
So yeah, yeah, I gave it a higher. seven. I don't, I don't have anything to add here. I gave it a seven. I, I think it's, it's, it's laudable that they did so much of the genuine silence. And then I also want to call it out a little bit for doing a really good job with the uh, uh, feedback sound and not making that irritating for as an audience member. So I think that's, that's, that's also really good. Uh, seven. Uh, that's gonna take us into overall mark. Did you guys think it was interesting at all how close the movie, the monster design in this was to the monster from season one of um, Stranger Things? It's very similar. They it's look very, they look very a similar. lot alike. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like the Demi Gorgon. Yeah, um, I ended up going with an eight for this. Um, my natural instinct was to give this about a seven and a half and just kind of put it in the upper quartile and not try and promote it further. But I think in a weird way. The weakness of this movie is also its strength, where you kind of just want to talk about this. There's so many things wrong with it that it's good, but also you want to talk about it as much as you possibly <laughs> fucking can because there are so many like takes you can have on this movie. And this is probably going to be a pretty fucking long episode at this point. I have no idea. But like there, there are whole swaths of pieces of content that we haven't even touched on, right? Like... I could. There are a bunch of nitpicks that we already skipped over. I just mentioned the fact that we weren't talking about why they're using gas lanterns when there's electricity. Like there are so many weird choices in this. It is a fundamentally good and interesting movie that has its flaws, but the flaws are really fun to talk about, and that's what like really creates a bit of movie magic in my mind, where this is up there in the top two three whatever points of our scoring system that's where it needs to live <laughs> jake how about you i did give it a seven and a half it felt like the right place and that's where i put it i i agree with you again though mark i this is a movie that's fun to talk about and i think that it's one of the more impressive efforts in the last few years primarily for kind of how they blend in what we don't commonly see in horror into a horror movie, which is that more emotional family aspect. Jack said he bawled his yep. fucking eyes out during this movie. I sure I mean, did. That Fuck during, yeah. Like, that's not common. And, and I too, think but... I think that's something I think that's something that needs to be celebrated. Like there are movies from the last X number of years that are good for a variety of reasons and one that can blend that more emotional element into it is something that should certainly be celebrated. So it's a higher score. It's not right at the top because there are so many problems, but hey, it's still a damn good movie. Yeah, absolutely. I gave it a seven. Uh, Mark, I completely agree with you that this is a movie that needs to be celebrated. However, a movie that has this many just logical plot holes and and just absurd as it is, I don't think could be higher for me. But but it also deserves credit for being as watchable as it is while having all those problems. Right? That's something for which it should be hugely credited. But I couldn't go beyond a seven for it. It's a seven for me. It's a very good movie. Uh, that's going to take us into what I think is going to be a very anticlimactic thumbs up, thumbs down segment. Mark, what are, what are you giving it here? Hard thumbs up. This is, this is the weird, strange confluence of movie that I can recommend to almost anybody, right? Like the, the stars of this movie, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, Hollywood's favorite power couple are recommendable to he's fucking Jack Ryan. You guys, Jesus like, Christ. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he's best known for. Well, but I mean, not really, but also, yeah, kind of. I like that he's trying to be an action guy now. <laughs> dude, he's a dude. Did you see 27 hours or whatever the fuck the name of that movie? Six hours, eight hours, whatever number of hours the, that stupid oh Benghazi thing. He's a hunk. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not a hunk. 
I mean, in any case, this is something that I'd be comfortable recommending to horror aficionados, to my parents, to people who don't like normal movies or normal horror movies because they're too gory. Like, this has every base covered. There is no one out there I would not recommend this to. Thumbs up. Hard thumbs up. Yeah, Jake? Theater Darling is hard to argue with. I mean, this was made for a lot of people, and it works. Thumbs up. Yeah, I got nothing else to add. It's a, it's a hard thumbs up. You should tell everybody to watch this, and you should watch this if you haven't seen it. It's great. And we didn't talk about this, but like without the credits, clock in at like 86 minutes long. This is watchable. Oh my as god, dude! It was surprise. I hunkered down expecting. Package. I just don't know why. I I remembered this being longer, and like all of a sudden, I was like, wait, we're near the end. I did the quick check, like just when you hit the thing to see how much on the time stamp is left. There were like 10 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It it's was a, super weird. It's a tight package. It's watchable as hell. Yeah, this is an easy recommend. Yeah, I agreed. It's tight. Yeah. It's tight. It's time to get the get fuck the out, out of here. here. I think it's time to get the fuck out of here, yeah. Yeah, let's get out of here. This has been episode 186 of the A to Z Horrorcast. To check out everything we have going on, head on over to a tozhorror.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all those links are right down there in the description below. As Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, if you're still here hanging out with us, you might want to consider becoming a Patreon member. And hey, the timing might never have been better because not only will you get all of the extra stuff that we're doing for Patreon members by becoming a paying member, but you're going to know for at least the next three months that all of that money is going to go directly to Feeding America. So hey, you get both sides and that's a great thing as well. As always, the music has been coming at you from Super Bear. There are links down there in the description below as well. And next week, we're going to get to my first pick of the current crop. Let's go with an Elijah Wood flick. Why not? Let's watch Maniac. And that'll be coming at you roughly one week from today, folks. Until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies. Have a great week. Medical supplies. <laughs> not anything in particular. It's just like, I don't know, some fucking medical shit. Just some medicine and shit.